You are listening to the Bondzilla Podcast. The Bondzilla Podcast is an ongoing analysis of two of cinema's longest-running franchises, James Bond and Godzilla. This week, we take a deep dive into the history of King Kong and discuss his second Toho-produced adventure. It's 1967's King Kong Escapes. James Bond. Hello, everybody. Welcome to yet another edition of the Bondzilla podcast, our second November episode, ready to give you uh, some good stuff, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, as we usually do. I'm Nick. Uh, I'm Will, and right in time uh, for uh, Thanksgiving. So, uh, or, or Kongsgiving. Kong. <laughs> Yes, here we go. That's that's great. Kong's giving. Happy Kong's giving, everybody. Uh, and um, uh, you know that it's something. Kong is something to be thankful for a little bit. I think. Um, yeah. It's you know. I'm, I'm thankful. Underrated, underrated, uh, little tiny franchise. I think are, are Honestly, the Kong movies. I I I have I do have a fascination with the with the Kong franchise, and it's I think it's you know we can kind of get to, to it a little bit. Um, but it's a very fascinating one when you really go through its history, you know, just like mm-hmm. just even from a glance, not even deep diving into what the movies are themselves, the production, but just like kind of the amount of Kong films and and like kind of who made them and how they were made. I, I think it's 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 kind of underrated in that sense of just like it it's kind of gone through the test of time. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of like Kong is is like kind of very it, it's sly in the terms of like it's. You know, it's a very, it's very easy to overlook because it's like King Kong and it's kind of like, it's so famous and ubiquitous that it's very easy to overlook as like, as like a franchise to the point that I don't know if people would recognize how many Kong entries there are or how many iterations of Kong that there actually are. Um, Well, I think if if you did ask a person like what Kong movies, like about what King Kong movies are there, I think you definitely get the original, you get the Peter Jackson and you'd probably also get, you know, the current like Kong Skull Island stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't really believe that people, you know, really, you know, realize that yes, we have, we kind of have the 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 Toho made films. We kind of have, you know, the seventies films, and we we have a lot more legacy with the character. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. as I mean, honestly, too, I mean, a big part of the character, like even so, is it was you know an early. It, I mean, it still is a very known character. Is is a point where it was a big enough name to, um, you know, launch kind of Universal Parks as well. Right, um, right. That, because, like, when Universal, you know, Orlando opened, that was, like, their one of their big attractions was Kong. And even Universal Studios has had their confrontation and their part of the tram tour for a very long time. And it's, Kong's been involved in that as well. Uh, but there, there is, like, a recognizability to the the character of kong and the creature but again yeah you're right it's just there's a lot more legacy and history to that character that i think people realize well the movie is almost like it it was almost genetically created in a lab to be like iconography like it's almost like like king kong is almost the definition of cinematic iconography in in the in the sense that everything about it from 
the the concept and the conceit to the actual film itself. Like when you think about King Kong, like I mean, everybody just knows, like to the point that like it's a giant ape or a giant monkey, uh, really a giant ape. But the fact that even the name Kong has kind of permeated other uh, like franchises, like such as like Donkey Kong and everything like that, like where it's just like kind of like that. Um, that moniker it kind of like sticks mm-hmm. around as kind of like the shorthand for giant you know giant ape or giant monkey where you kind of know like kong is kind of like the um like the like uh the quick reference point to kind of elicit the whole like giant ape thing no it, yeah and especially because of you're you're very much right in in, in that kong the original king kong is kind of built in terms of that early cinema because it's like you know it's 30s cinema mm-hmm. you know with with the stop motion filmmaking and the iconic kind of look and the feel of that era of cinema and and king kong meshes in with that so well that it is one of those films where you th- where again people think of like the big blockbusters of that era of filmmaking and king kong is one of those first ones that come up and it is very much a prototypical blockbuster mm-hmm. um well, and, and you- something that still gets you know it definitely influenced any giant monster movies since then. Well, anything with a giant the, monster, it's like there's a Kong is kind of the, the godfather of that. The influences, the uh, the special effects, the set pieces, like everybody knows the Kong on top of the, the Empire State Building um, and to a lesser but even just as powerful degree, like all like the, the Skull Island stuff, just, just kind of like that, you know, the whole, they go to the island and it's like natives and then there's a bunch of monsters and then there's a King Kong. Like, it's like everybody just kind of knows that, which, you know, kind of actually, it's funny because you can kind of roll your eyes at it, but it's actually, I always found it fascinating how the Peter Jackson King Kong legitimately was just every single beat of like the original movie, Other, you know, maybe extended in certain bits, but Mm -hmm. there was just something about it where like, and again, maybe it's also because like when you compare it to something like Roland Emmerich's Godzilla, which took a lot of liberties, it was interesting that King Kong felt, and it was one of those remakes that felt like that's what it was supposed to be in a way. I I know like that sometimes there can be that argument about like you know whether movies and reboots stray you know too far away from the material or too close to the material but there was something about like i think everybody at least if, to me it felt the peter jackson king kong people kind of were okay with it doing that and it was just a matter of like how well like how like how well he did it if that makes right. sense right and 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 again it was very much a showcase for the special effects and it was yeah another passion project for peter jackson but i do think that is another thing that's super interesting about the kong franchise um is you have a franchise if you if you just look at the film at the kong films made in america or or made for an american audience you have six of them right now with with seven coming out some point down the line with kong versus godzilla Mm -hmm. but you have three of them being essentially the same movie because you have 33 you have that 70s one which is different but the same movie and you have jackson's and then you have these other three really weird outliers you have son of kong the sequel to that 70s King Kong from the 80s and then Kong Skull Island. And it's just like the, the it's like weird because again, it's like in one sense, it's like the view of Kong is so narrow. We're like the three, the generally the three major Kong films like were just remakes of each other, like right. the original and two remakes. But then you also have it where like you had had explorations of Kong 
as being something else besides the classic they go to the island and bring it back and mm-hmm. you know the new york stuff and, and and that extends to the two toho movies and we've seen we've talked about one on this podcast in king kong versus godzilla where you do see how the elements of kong that you know we know from the american version of the giant eight likes women you know that sort of thing translate but also that they do their own spin on it and we will definitely talk about it also in regards to the film we're talking about today well what's also interesting is like obviously this is uh you know the um you know godzilla much like in the original king kong versus godzilla godzilla is taking a uh a, a back seat to uh the uh king to another king of the monsters himself which is kind of funny but you know, I think we should talk about like the comparison between the two properties. And what's kind of interesting, though, is that Kong is so iconic, but he's also very much iconic within a very particular like the story of Kong is another thing that's like extraordinarily iconic about him, which is, again, kind of going back to why I don't think people mind that, you know, a lot of the Kong movies are kind of very identical in terms of like what they're about, that like to a certain degree, they are all, and even like these Toho movies are all to a certain degree like, okay, it's on, he's on an island, man intervenes and, he, and it gets uh, introduced into civilization and society and then stuff happens is kind of like the, the tale. There, there's very much of that uh, searching the unknown and an island adventure and, you know, a, a colonialist like vibes to right, it. Like, like the island will have natives on it. Right. Sort of right. Thing. And, yeah. and, and there's, so there's a very specific story about Kong with Godzilla. Godzilla is very much more of the thing people know about him is giant lizard who destroys cities. And right, yeah. obviously the 54 film is like the very, is like the definitive version of what Godzilla is was meant to be but there really isn't a specific like story like you know that i think people attribute to this is a story i mean if anything the story that people attribute to godzilla is that he goes around destroying cities because i always remember my my dad when he saw godzilla 2014 like it wasn't that and then that's Mm -hmm. what he is used to godzilla being he's used to godzilla being the the thing that you know topples like you know uh buildings and cities and towers and things like that um so it's interesting that both of them kind of like have this very very much a different approach to why they have permeated the culture so much yes yes and i i I think that like we, we with kong you're very much right too is that the the iconicness of kong is really split evenly almost between you know if you go back to the 33 film between like the stuff on the island and the stuff in New York. Mm-hmm. Like both of those are iconic parts of that story in their own ways. Cause you, you know, Kong having, you know, this mysterious skull Island with all these other creatures on it. And then, you know, the New York stuff where it's like, again, like kind of the humanity taking advantage of him and then him kind of escaping mm-hmm. from his, his shackles that those are two very, you know, part, big parts of the story. Uh, whereas with, with 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 Godzilla though, again, I think it also has to do with the eras in which those films were made, mm-hmm. because again, like you have that thirty three Kong is again in that kind of still primordial era of filmmaking, mm-hmm. you know, where where a lot of you know the technology and the tropes, you know, like we're we're thirty three is again, it's like you got to consider that that's still not too far removed from the silent picture era mm-hmm. that this is that's when the, the the sound era was really kind of coming into its own 
And, and so having that kind of early era of cinema, it makes it iconic. Whereas when you look at Godzilla, obviously one, it's a foreign franchise to many people. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it's coming from like, again, you have 50, you have those first two, like the 54 and, you know, and then um, raids again, like the next year or whatever. And then you have it, that big gap into the sixties, which is when, as we talked about with bond, when the, the franchise was starting to come up. So you do have like, once you get to King Kong versus Godzilla, which, which let's not also forget what, let's not forget that, that Kong was the star. Uh, the Kong was the reason that God, cause, uh, well, King that's Kong what I mean. Godzilla it's like in, in that original, yeah. Cause it, that's why I say like Godzilla played second fiddle to, to him right. in, in that one. Yeah. In fact, but like it was also- funny, you could go back and listen to that episode we did. But when I was kind of refreshing my memory for, you know, the history of these movies, of these Kong movies, that it was funny that to think of that the like the way in which it's framed in a lot of like research is that Godzilla versus Kong was like the the point in which they're like, oh, I think this Godzilla thing could, you know, spin off into other. It's funny that that was like that Godzilla really spun off into a franchise off of that movie because he was very much on the shelf. Uh, for a yeah. long time. Um, and, uh, well, just to get back to my point, though, it's like the Godzilla movies. Once you get to God, King Kong versus Godzilla, like that's in that era of Bond and and all these other kind of franchises, which like the primordial era of franchises, where it's like, okay, we can make us a bunch of these movies, especially with just the way that Toho started making up. And we've also talked about it before that they easily would have made another King Kong movie had they were able to get the rights again or keep the rights. But because they had the rights to Godzilla, that's what they kind of like, okay, well, we know we can make Godzilla movies where, you know, again, we've, we've talked about it before, too. Like, we've already, we had our one in King Kong versus Godzilla, and, like, Ibira was supposed to be, you know, a Kong movie mm-hmm. originally. Or at least it was, you know, in, in its original script form was a Kong movie, and then they didn't get the rights back. So yeah. I mean, all the just, way up it, into the Heisei era, they've been trying to yeah. do stuff with Kong. They, and then, um, yeah. they, and then you know, we'll talk about today. They did try to bring back Mechanicong as well, and that didn't work out yeah. for them either. And, and it's almost kind of funny and almost fitting, though, that like with with the legendary movies, which I, I consider to be a, a good, um, you know, uh, extension, a, a better extension of what the Toho Kaiju movies are, in, in my opinion. So it's almost fitting that now it's kind of coming back to fitting Kong in that mold and. Um, also making Kong more of a kaiju than maybe like, you know, things like the Peter Jackson King Kong and the other Kongs um, have been. I I do want to talk more about this comparison though with um, Godzilla and Kong, because one of the things we didn't mention at the top of the show, but we've mentioned in other episodes is the reason that we're going Kong centric. uh, It was because uh, this month we were supposed to be getting a Kong movie uh, with Godzilla versus Kong. Speaking of the legendary films. Um, but because that's not happening, um, you know, we decided to not only take a look at today's movie, but also to just kind of talk about King Kong himself. Um, but I did want to talk a little bit, dive more into this comparison between Godzilla and Kong and talking about, you know, the reason where these these creatures come from cinematically. Now, obviously, um, you know, Godzilla is a, you know, a Japanese creation, whereas Kong is an American um, creation. Yes. Um, and um, it's interesting to see where both of those come from when you think not only about the characters, but you also think about the the movies uh, yes, themselves. and the context in which they, those movies were made. Right, well. right. So whereas we've, you know, been all over this many, many times about how Godzilla is very much like a 
uh, a commentary on like you know the like the the war and the bomb and everything like that and, and nuclear power and stuff like that. Whereas just kind of what I mentioned um, a little bit at the top was that you know it's very easy to see kind of like those colonialist uh, themes in Kong and exploration and you know the appropriation of bringing you know Kong back to New York for like it, it's very like in the same way that it's like very obvious in a movie like Godzilla, it's very obvious and and right on the surface. Like it's not even the subtext, it's the text of of uh, King Kong. But it's mm-hmm. interesting to see those very different approaches to what their what these themes are with these um with with these movies. And I was kind of doing a little bit of research about Kong himself and how the director of the original King Kong movie, Marion C. Cooper, um uh one of the go to inspirations for it was like just his fascination with gorillas. And when you dive into more about where his approach was was coming up with like a lot of these myths and legends was it would just seem to be very uh, interested in gorillas and like you know the power of like these creatures and animals like he talks about like you know he always liked you know there's something the, the Kong came from he just felt like the words that began with K just sound like super powerful and everything and that's where a little bit of like Skull Island comes from and King Kong and and all these things like that. Um, so it's interesting that mentality going into this where I feel like when you go back and look and maybe I'd have to listen back to our own episode is when you think about the creation of Godzilla, it's very much kind of like coming from this place of allegorical myth making a little bit. Now, at the same time, they are also jumping off of the fact that Kong is an inspiration for doing movies like this. And then, you know, yes. then you have Beast for 20,000 Fathoms. But just seeing kind of like where it go it, it goes to um it's a very interesting uh, stark contrast, I, I think. Like, what do you, what do you, what do you? No, think? I, I would agree. I would agree. And again, it's just like the era of their filmmaking because I think that, yes, I think like when we go back to Godzilla. It's again, there's a very specific inspiration of, you know, what was going on in Japan at that time, um, mm-hmm. and and sort of again the reflections on World War II and everything like that. And I think. You know, I think it's one of those things where I think both creatures are, are interesting because I think they both fall into a similar thing, though, where they kind of fall into their iconicness in one way or another in mm-hmm. the sense of what I mean is like, yes, like you're kind of making this Godzilla movie and you're making like this allegory about World War Two and, and Japan's relationship with nuclear weapons and nuclear power and everything like that. But you're also kind of fall into the fact that it's you're making a movie about a giant monster and, and how iconic that would become. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when generally when you think about making something iconic, it's like a lot more often than not, you just kind of fall into it being iconic. Oh, sure. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, and I, I, I think it's no more true than with both Kong and Godzilla, because I think that they both are movies that are made again with you. You kind of talk about, you know, just kind of this a fascination with with gorillas and words that start with K and everything like that. And just kind of creating this myth and, and creating something big, especially again with Kong you're 33 you're in right this era where like that stop motion is pretty new at that mm. time you know and and the way that kong is made is still something that's studied today just from a you made this in 1933 it's mm-hmm. kind of unbelievable point of view like kong a part of kong's legacy and, and as much as kind of godzilla's legacy is as much about the filmmaking process of those movies as the films themselves 
Oh, 100%. I think, kind of, I think a connection that they share. And I think that's especially true with Kong because, again, you're looking in that very early era of cinema where really I think that 30s decade is where you could really establish like cinema is something that's here to stay and, and that evolution that it has through the sound and increasing special effects and, and more knowledge of cameras and bigger stars. Like I think like Kong is, is a perfect compendium of everything about that kind of that what we call the golden era of, of Hollywood filmmaking mm-hmm. in many ways. Yeah, and, and, uh, and, and let's and, be and, fair, neither of these movies were intended to be like introspective high art. It was more of like the creatives and behind the scenes, like Honda coming into Godzilla and adding his flavor to it that kind of brought that to it. Like that was 100%. Never, like, 100%. Like there's attention. definitely like a love for the specific themes that they're doing to because you just don't put those themes without having some sort of say on them. Mm-hmm. But it is the true where it's just like, at some point, it's like, yeah, the people who are making King Kong were like, well, we're, we're just making a giant monster movie with stop motion effects. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and the same thing with, with, with Godzilla and, and what those franchises eventually evolve into uh, very similarly. But I would, I, I would say this, and, and this is kind of like the big kind of contrast. If you just look at like the original King Kong versus the original Godzilla, like the, the most stark contrast is I would say is we've talked about how Godzilla in many ways you could probably even label as like a horror movie where it's like it's definitely the the gravity of the situation of what's going on is not lost in the movie like it it it, it revels in uh showing this as like a disaster like in, in the same way of what it's trying to evoke and you know, once it gets even deeper into its thematics, then even the the gravity of the situation gets even more dire. With yeah. King Kong, even though the lessons are there, and like, and you know, and I think the movie is aware of that, there is one hundred percent definitely more of an exploitative nature to it. Like, you know, the exotic, uh, you know, natives of this exotic island with like crazy creatures and like it's exciting to see creatures fighting with each other and there's like a spectacle to it and it's very interesting that one you know is the american production and the other one is like the japanese production and that's kind of like the starkest contrast i can find between the two um that makes it so fascinating but also always like i say keeping in mind that toho clearly had their eyes on the way that they you know that they did it and um i think kind of you know, goes to, uh, I think it explains a lot, like maybe like why they kind of veered into the more showy stuff of the Showa era, where it's like a little bit more fu- like fun having than uh, 54 was. Yeah. And I think, I, I, I think that again, like 54 was a very specific film. And I think like once you kind of move on from that, like you just have to kind of get bigger and, and, and sillier in many ways, just because that's like the, the nature of those films have to go. But, but again, like, yeah, Kong is being made as like, it's a movie that's definitely made as like purely pop, you know, populist entertainment. It, it's, it was meant to be like, okay, well, we're going to get people in the theater to see this giant Kong movie. Whereas I think that, yeah, Godzilla, while it does have those elements of it, I think again, it does more have more of that introspection than Kong does. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, but I think it's like Kong is very much a film that's, that's, you're marketing it and you're pushing it based on oh the, the special effects and and, and Godzilla's like that too. But I think that Kong there's there's a very specific way in which they were thinking that movie was gonna go. And I think that was just like again people they were like we're making a movie about a giant monkey mm-hmm. and that's like what we're gonna do. Now but, look, you look, know, look, Beauty did kill the beast. So. 
it all worked out at the end of the day. Uh, now, looking at kind of like the history, I'm looking at kind of like the list of Kong movies right here. And and one yes. thing is like you can see like so they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. So like twelve iterations of Kong, maybe ten because I think some of these may be like offshoot. Maybe I think some of these are like animated. But oh, you, are you talking about the direct video animated Kong musical? With music by the Sherman Brothers. Wait, which one is that? Is that the that's, uh, that's the one in like the nineties? Um, I forget the exact name of it. Uh, what is this? The Mighty Kong. Yes, I believe the, that's yeah, it. With the Anna, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, it is with the Sherman Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But but let's say like it's like a, like a good like e- like either like, either a dozen yeah. or a little less like iterations of, of Kong. the The point I'm getting to is like you can look and there's all these entries. Um, not nearly as many as Godzilla, but Godzilla has gone on to be like why we talk about in this podcast. Not only a, a long-lasting franchise, because I think the image of Kong has lasted just as long, but even there's not really a fan base for Kong. And not, I'm not saying there's not fans out there. I'm sure there's people who really know their Kong, but not in the same way of like what the Godzilla franchise came out at the B, where the Godzilla franchise is. Not only people like specific films, but people like specific eras that the Godzilla franchise has basically unleashed a cavalcade of monsters that other people like that you can say like, oh, like not only do you like Godzilla, you like Mothra or you like Gigan or something like that. Kong doesn't really have any of that. And I wonder if that's a little bit because maybe that's kind of like the drawback to kind of what you said is that most of these iterations of Kong are more or less kind of touching or kind of like either for lack of a better term retreading some of this same ground so it's diversity of legacy is probably not as much there as much as the iconography well, is I, I think it's really because again you it's a franchise where one you have large gaps in between movies mm-hmm. that like that's the thing with with godzilla is that yes you had that gap between 54 and like raids again to godzilla versus kong or kong versus godzilla but once you get to the show era and they're making movies every single year, like that's a part of it. You have that legacy. And the same thing when we talk about Bond, like Bond is like, yeah, you do have your like glass or like from the get go, they're mm-hmm. making these movies one after the other. I mean, we can go modern day. That's why, you know, like, you know, you have the original Star Wars trilogy works like that. They just have those every three years. And the Marvel Universe is just like, okay, we, we're kind of ramping up. Whereas like Kong, it's like you have, you have 33 and you have an obscure sequel which is Son of Kong, which no, you know, not many people really know about. Then you have the Dino De Laurentiis 70s one, which also has an obscure sequel that not many people know about. <laughs> and then really it's like if you're looking at the history of Kong, again, as I kind of mentioned before, people will really know that 33 and really respect it. And then they know the big Peter Jackson post Lord of the Rings Kong. Right, right. And then you get into Kong Skull Island, which is noted by you know many people as being this very different, but mm-hmm. still similar interpretation of Kong. It's a very different than the traditional way we tell Kong. Yeah, Con- but- like Skull Island is definitely like the biggest departure from yeah. Kong lore, I, I-, yes. I think, yeah. Yeah, but I-, but I think it's like, that's what makes it such an interesting and fascinating franchise. It's, it's like this, you know, this franchise that is so iconic for, you know, it's it- it maybe three of its movies, but does have kind of a deeper, weirder lore to it, mm-hmm. you know? Which again, like if you ask a normal person, they would not know probably that there's, you know, if they would know there's one Japanese Kong film with Godzilla, 
they definitely wouldn't know there's two of them. Oh, like, yeah. There's no yeah. way. Like, that's, and that's the thing about Kong um, is, is that, again, I just think, like, you really have two films that have really made their mark just in terms of a pop culture idea, which is 33 and 2005. And then Skull Island, I think, like, kind of reinvigorated it to be something completely different. And it'll be really interesting to see kind of post- whenever Kong, you know, Godzilla versus Kong comes out and like wh- how that film is presented, I think will be very interesting to see. I, um, I do. But ha- again, but I, like, I do think though, that there is a, also a part of it. Like, like I said, like I, I, it's interesting because I do think that there is a certain subsection where again, like people n- know there, there's, again, there's iconicness of Kong with the universal parks. Like there's always a lot of Kong merchandise around those parks. I mean, like Universal Orlando put out a new Kong ride a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. There's like that, like you still see like the merchandise there, and that stuff still kind of gets out. Like when Universal Orlando is celebrating 30 this year, and one of the big things that they did for their 30th was um, like a set of glasses, and Kong was the original Kong ride was featured in one of their anniversary glasses. So there's still a big part of that as well which I think there's some, like, there's still, like, it's, there's not that there's not any Kong stuff out there. Like, mm-hmm. there definitely is. It's just, like, I think it's very specific, very specific audience. I have a, I have a funny analogy uh, between Godzilla and Kong, where you, yeah. you talk about the franchises. Because one of the things that was interesting is, like, Kong doesn't seem to be all that interested in, like, introducing new monsters in the same way that the Godzilla franchise was, and for obvious reasons that you kind of described. But the difference to me is, like, between the legacy of a Batman franchise versus the legacy of, like, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And and what I mean by that is, like, like Kong is kind of like the Batman franchise, where every new Kong is just like, all right, well, how are they going to do it? Who's going to be the director? What's Kong going to look like? Everybody, you just want to know, like, it's all, Kong is, like, you know, the, right. the, 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 the star of the show. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, with the Godzilla is kind of like the Marvel cinematic universe now where it's like, okay, you want Godzilla in there, but you're also like, well, who else is going to be in it though too? (laughs) Like where it's like now the Marvel movies are not like, you know, they're talking about like, there was news out recently about how people are comparing like the next Thor to like another Avengers because like, Oh, star Lord's also going to be in it. And Valkyrie's also going to be in it. And like, Oh, maybe this character may show up and Dr. Strange is going to be in, in Spider-Man that. So it's like, it really, has be Godzilla is very much in that way where it's not only yeah. just about the king himself, but it's also about like his his whole world and his entourage, and you want to see how much of that permeates into each of the movies. Right. It's like when we when we talk about a Kong movie, you know, just as we have to know how are we going to showcase Bruce's parents dying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we have to know what the island's going to be like, you know, and how they're going right, to present right. the island and and, right. and stuff like that. So it's like, yeah, like. Yeah, like the deaths of Thomas and Martha Wayne and Skull Island are one and the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so you have uh, King Kong, and you have the same year you have Son of Kong come out, which yes. is kind of like a weird sequel, I suppose, where it's like, yeah. it, it's kind of like one of those, like, by the way, this this was actually a thing, even though it actually wasn't a thing, and it's like this, I have never seen that one, I don't know if you've seen it, but I don't know if it's like, is it actually the Son of Kong, or is it just like another Kong that they call the Son of Kong, it's like, kind I of like. I don't know 100%. Yeah. I'm getting Raids Again vibes from it every time yes. I look it up, <laughs> where it's like, because that was the same year, too. Um, but you have that. But the, the next major appearance of Kong in any iteration was um, King Kong versus Godzilla. 
Um, yes. And then that was like the next big one. And then shortly after is uh, was today's movie, King Kong uh, Escapes. And that was, um, you know, Toho really going after wanting to do something with Kong. And, we, and we've mm-hmm. talked about that one. Um, but um, I, I was going to move on to another American one because I know we're going to talk about Escapes. Was, was there anything that you wanted to say about that before? Oh, I mean, I think it's, again, it just showcases that, that Kong does have that legacy. I mean, again, we've kind of mentioned it before in this episode, but it, it stands to reason that, like, there's a big reason why Toho reaches out to see if they can use Kong. That Kong is in somewhat, like, a, a worldwide thing that people know about the creature. And I think it's, it go, speaks to kind of the universal language of the giant monster movie that, you just see a giant monster like you it just there's such a visual fidelity of just like to see the giant monster and you kind of exactly know what's happening mm, but you mm-hmm. don't really need so the fact that like you you see toho reaching out for you know obviously first they kind of did the frankenstein thing but then they reach out for kong because kong does have that worldwide presence mm-hmm. and that worldwide name um even though it is very distinctly like an american production and, and so i think that's an important thing that's like the the kind of revival of kong being kind of the 60s Japanese movie is is super fascinating. Yeah, a- absolutely. Uh definitely. Um so then so then uh you go from King Kong Escapes and then you go to the Dino De Laurentiis uh iterations of the movie. So so yes. and, and so now we're looking at like, you know, just for timeline wise, we have King Kong the original movies were in the 30s and then you have the Toho era of Kong. Uh, in the 60s, and then when you get into the 70s and 80s, um, you get into uh, these De Laurentiis uh, uh, movies, uh, King Kong and King Kong Lives. Um, and and that was like the original... Oh, sorry, I just got a package. I got this little thing where it, like, it dings you when you get a package, because mm-hmm. technology. Nice. Um, but um, this was like the first like big like remake of of King Kong where right yes. like, this this was like this was that and uh King Kong which was in uh, 1976 that's the one with uh uh Jeff Bridges um yep. which is which is fun that, that, and that's again when you kind of go do these like little subtle things you don't know about you probably wouldn't know that there were two Japanese uh King Kongs but for a long time I didn't know that there was a Jeff Bridges King Kong movie <laughs> I didn't I didn't know that um and then um I think it's the second one king kong lives which is the one with linda hamilton yeah i mean there's there's the uh well because also can't forget that the uh king kong 76 mm-hmm. is the film debut of jessica lang um and that also, i did not know and also um story i know about that movie is uh meryl streep auditioned and oh. then Dino De Laurentiis said in Italian that she wasn't pretty enough for the role, not knowing that Meryl Streep understood Italian. Right. And so she exactly <laughs> knew what was being said about her uh, in that movie. So she That's wasn't awesome. pretty enough for Kong. That was the exact quote. Uh-huh. I, the only thing I really know about these movies is that the, this was like the first big animatronic makeover of the look of Kong. Yeah. Like, uh, and, and it's weird because it's cool, but it also just reminds me of the universal ride like it yes. that's just what it looks like so it, it is it's yeah kind of, like, for, especially for its era it, yeah. it, it's kind of um 
you know, it kind of reminds me of that uncanny and like anim- that's the thing about animatronics. Animatronics can still be in that uncanny valley. And uh, it, uh, it reminds me a lot of like Godzilla Returns, how much you didn't like the. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm not saying I, I dislike this Kong as much, but it, it's weird because it's like. You, what, the 76 Kong? Yes, the 76 Kong. Because mm-hmm. it's just because it's like clearly like a guy and he's right. like wearing like a, thing, a thing and it's like a it's like an animatronic like face that is impressive. That's really cool. And uh, yeah. I mean, so that's really all I know about the. It's that, and he has a. There's a female Kong in one of these. That's all I think. I think that might be that lives is a. I, 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 everything I know about King Kong lives is that it's a very strange movie. Right, right. Like it's a very because again, it's like like not it's like not a you know it's like a direct sequel, but like not because I mean because it's made years later. And it's just kind of like everything about that movie just just a weird vibe. Oh, they have to. uh, King Kong Lives is the one where they have to do the heart surgery on Kong. Yeah, that's the one where that is. Yeah, I remember. I remember that one. And then, uh, and uh, I think if I'm, I'm gonna just re. uh, Yes. Okay. So King Kong Lives. That was the like the conceit that like the original movie happened, and then w- when they they do the Halloween H T O Halloween Resurrection thing, where King Kong die. If you don't know those movies, the the premise is it's like at the end they kill the person, and then at the end it's like actually we didn't we, we didn't kill him like with Michael Myers. So in King Kong, it was like that the events of the movie transpire the way you think they do, and then King Kong Lives opens up with. Actually, after they shot him down, he survived. <laughs> he's Kong, and he can soon, survive. What we yeah. didn't tell you, as soon as the credits started to roll, he actually woke <laughs> up. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay. I mean, Wait. Beauty didn't really kill the Beast. In this yeah, no. Okay. Beauty that, just stunned the Beast a little bit. That needs to be a joke in something, like in a sequel for something, where they replay like the end of the credits of the previous movie. And then after the credits roll, or when the credits start to roll, somebody's like, wait, wait. <laughs> Meanwhile, while the credits were rolling, or that should just be the joke. It's like, while the credits were rolling, what we didn't tell you is that while you were That's, all distracted. <laughs> you, you just wrote Deadpool 4. <laughs> like, Deadpool 3 will happen, and the end will be like, you know, you know, it'll be, you know and that'll be like, right. you know, and then we'll have, we'll have some MCU jokes in there. Right, right. It's going to be a part of the MCU. Um. But yeah, so anyway, so that that's really all I know about those. But it's funny because like I, I those I, I can't honestly say that those two have like a big widespread legacy to them. Like nobody the, the really leg- refers the legacy, to them. The legacy of, of King Kong, those seventies one, is that it's a it's like it's lumped into that Dino De Laurentiis failure. Mm, right, thing. right. It's lumped into like the Flash Gordons and the Dunes and everything like that of just like that stuff that he was associated with that just like didn't go anywhere. Even though it's like you know, I think I I always wonder like I think like that I would I would love to see kind of a like a modern like kind of review of that seventies Kong just to see kind of. I actually I can plug uh, somebody who did not ask me to plug them, so this is pro bueno. Um, but there's actually a really good web. Uh, um, I'm gonna. Um, I think it's up from the depths is a YouTube channel that goes through. Ooh, they have a, a new video of a really good kaiju game. 
Um, but yes, so it's up from the depths, and uh, they he goes through pretty much all like the giant monster movies, and he has a whole kind of like goes through every single Kong movie, and that's about as that's where I kind of got my knowledge of each of those films. But if you need yeah. like a good like at least a short retrospective of these movies, I would go there. So up from the depths on YouTube, I highly recommend. Yeah, um, but again, like the, yeah, the legacy of of those seventies and eighties Kongs is that people who know about Dino De Laurentiis know about Flash Gordon and know about do um, uh, King Kong. Like that's what they know about because that's what his like name. Those were his big trying to make it huge productions. I, I'm looking at it just like the, just some footage real quick. And and as much as I was kind of joking about it earlier, the special effects work in this is is really impressive. Like just I'm just looking at kind of like the look of Kong and how they're achieving him. It's it's good stuff. It's really good. I mean, it makes me want to just watch it based off of that. Um, so anyway, like we like we gotta start moving on. So so we have that. Um, I, yes, there's this animated the Mighty Kong. <laughs> you know, they had to do it. By the way, spoiler alert: that one ends also with Kong not dying. It's an animated <laughs> movie, and that was in '98. So so eventually we get to the 2005, uh, you know, King Kong Peter Jackson movie, which I mean, it's interesting too because that was supposed to be made in the '90s. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't. was something that you you um you really informed me of is that I did not really realize that it was that much of a passion for him to do like that that was like it, it's just funny to think of like well I can't do King Kong yet so I guess I'll make Lord of the Rings <laughs> well I mean like long story short there's a lot more detail and you know mm-hmm. I, I there's a lot more detail to it but essentially long story short is he added all the computers for the frighteners like it, it weta and then he was like well what can we do well we can either do a monster movie or we can do lord of the rings and then universal was like oh we're gonna do king kong and they offered him king kong then godzilla comes out um the 98 godzilla bombs mm-hmm. universal backs off and mm-hmm. it's like actually we're not gonna do kong right now so jackson's like well i guess my choice is lord of the rings then lord of the rings comes out all three of them, and then Universal comes back like, hey, by the way, remember we wanted you for that Kong movie before? Why don't we try it now, but all, with all your cool new technology? Mm-hmm. That's basically the story of that, like, Peter Jackson. But that was, like, for a long time. Like, I think he's talked about it before, where, like, even before, like, even, like, early on when he was doing, like, the Meet the Feebles and the Brain Deads and stuff like that, like, he, he always had it in mind that he would like to take on Kong. Like, that was something that was, you know, one of his favorite movies growing up, and it's just something that kind of sparked his imagination. And I think doubly so once he kind of got the, the like the Andy Circus and mm-hmm. and all the motion capture technology, where it kind of was almost like it was a godsend that those Lord of the Rings movies came first, because now with all that tech that he developed through those and like and and made you know well known, like those movies are partially well known because of all the technology he used mm-hmm. for them. It's like now that I've I've kind of used all this technology and I'm familiar with it, I can make the Kong movie I want to make. And this was a big deal, I remember at the time. That was it was a huge and it was like it was like it was a big anchor cuz I mean again this was a guy like you got to think about like the Lord of the Rings it's like I've you know me I've always been a fan of Peter Jackson especially that pre Lord of the Rings era. Mm-hmm. I've kind of gotten more into Lord of the Rings recently because you made me watch them all with you. Well, well once make- once you once you watch those extended cuts you're yeah. like oh that yeah even like 
a casual fan has to realize like how cinematically great he right. Uh, but it's how, also like the fact that like it was that l- the recent Lord of the Rings movie, mm-hmm. like the you know the third one, Return of the King. You know, it's like still holds the record for most Oscars in a night. Like swept all the like completely swept all those awards. Those movies were like the biggest thing and kind of really cemented Jackson as a big time filmmaker. Completely shifted the the visual fidelity of cinema and 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 visual effects at that time. Like those films plus. Pirates one like really shifted the the digital sphere of of making films and and the Star Wars movies as well the mm-hmm. prequels yeah all that like happened right at the same time and that like his next movie was going to be King Kong and Universal was going to be banking on him because mm-hmm. again I, I I mentioned this in the Kong episode but I also got to remember too that like Universal has kind of had this stake in Kong because of its relationship with the Universal Parks but also thirty three and and Son of Kong were RKO you have these two Toho films and then this, the Dealer De Laurentiis ones were paramount. So mm-hmm. Kong has also been all over the map in terms yeah. of its rights. Right, right, right. And now it's like, now it's like, oh, it's kind of home, quote unquote, at Universal because Universal already has this relationship with the theme parks and Kong. Mm-hmm. And so it was like Universal was it was their big anchor. It was like this is going to be our big movie. It's going to be that simultaneous. We're going to put a lot of blockbuster money into it. And we're going to put a lot of blockbuster actors and a blockbuster director. And it's going to make blockbuster money. And it's going to, you know, hopefully they were like, hopefully it'll make blockbuster awards as well. Like it, that was like they were trying to make the success of Lord of the Rings kind of translate well, into Kong. It was the perfect concoction because you're right. He has Lord of the Peter Jackson has Lord of the Rings under his belt. So there's a little bit of like, you know, he already just got finished making these movies that everybody loves. He has a penchant for making big epics. There hadn't been a Kong movie in quite some time. And frankly, I even got this feeling is that there was something classic Hollywood about King Kong. And I think because especially then when you saw the footage that, you know, it was going to be like, you know, they're make, going out and they're making the movie and everything that there. I don't know. There was just something about, you know, not only is he I, I, uh, iconic as a monster, but there was just something like classic Hollywood that it, it's just one of the last kind of like revivals reboots that everybody at least from my knowledge uh, as a young viewer at the time people just seemed like yes let's revitalize this and maybe yeah. a little bit is that because it's like you know it's peter jackson doing it and you know he's a great filmmaker but um that was kind of the vibe i got uh, uh from it um absolutely coming, and, and i was even excited about it and not even as somebody who i i had no attachment to kong at all but i was getting caught up in the hype definitely and, and again i think it's again the, the the technology was right there and you know at least in the film circles you know i, I wouldn't say like you know at that point andy circus was a huge star but people knew about like the tech behind Gollum at that point mm-hmm. you know we had, we had we had been at the point where like there you know like Gollum's appearance on the MTV Movie Awards was a huge deal, right? Because it was like still stop motion and still looked great and still was Andy Serkis. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like it was just kind of like okay, we're going to motion capture Kong and it's going to be this kind of performance of Kong, which again, it's like kind of been always the interesting thing because again, that Kong has always been very much like some other franchises, but Kong has been someone who's like part of its legacy too is that it's always kind of on the forefront of like the next evolution of special effects Mm -hmm. because again like kong original has the stop motion we talked about with 76 has kind of the the animatronic stuff and then you know 2005 has the stop motion thing Mm -hmm. and 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 kind of the big weta digital way of making those effects uh so i think there's also you mean mean the motion capture motion capture yeah Yeah. sorry Mm -hmm. yeah 
That's what I meant. Um, so the movie itself. What are your thoughts on the movie? It's been a very long time since yeah. I've seen it. I know that people think it's long. It's long. It, it's just a long movie. I don't even, it, even know. It's just one of the. You know how even. And I mean, I guess this is a testament to it, but like sometimes, like even if it's not bad, you just feel like I've been watching this for a while. <laughs> it was. I mean, it was. I think it would have been. You know, I don't. It, not my introduction to Jack Black, but like it was always like, oh, it's like block. <laughs> it's like big movie Jack Black. Yeah, like, yeah, that's, yeah. Because Jack Black's like a peeper or someone is like, and also it's like it goes into my inherent fascination with the career of Adrian Brody, which yes. like, yeah. Like, it's just like, because he was like, he was an Oscar winner, he was in Kong, and then he kind of disappeared, and then it was in Predators. And Kyle Chandler's in it, too. Uh, yes, he is. And, uh, wait, no. Um, wait, is Anton Yelchin in that movie? Is that Anton Yelchin in that? Um, I'm looking it up. Uh, no, Jamie Bell, sorry. When you look at this cat, Colin Hanks is in this, yeah. Kyle Chandler, and Andy Serkis. And that was also, like, a fun thing that Andy Serkis had a live action role uh in, in mm-hmm. this as well uh and then naomi watts it's just a, it's it's long i mean it, it's it's a it's a little bit long um the set pieces are cool and they're they're very well realized but i i don't think if it quite escapes the fact that like it's just scene after scene of like now they come across this monster and then now they're coming across this monster and now and it's this it's also, monster again. It's and, like, it's like, again, the very specifically like period piece of the original films era too, which even like 76, like updates it to a modern day. Right. You know, right. Aesthetic. And, and Kong, you know, we'll talk about a second Kong mm-hmm. skull Island, you know, puts it in a seventies perspective. It's very different, but mm-hmm. also that's a very different movie. I think there's that, that's our part of it too. It's just like, we're going to, you know, it's like really Jackson wanted to make King Kong, but like modern, right. but also classic. And, it's like and, kind of everything like that. And then it's also like, you know, and then you're also watching it knowing that like, okay, after a certain point you're on the island for so long and then you know that they're going to go to New Yeah, So it's like maybe it was like hindered a little bit by that you kind of knew what the plot was. A lot of people actually, this is where I disagree. A lot of people actually say that they don't like that it spends so much time like in New York before, because the movie opens up by establishing the characters in New York and then how they get onto the boat and then they get to Skull Island. I actually like all that. Like a lot of people advocate that it should start with them on the boat and they're like, I actually, that's the stuff yeah. that I like. I mean, I thought those, that additional stuff was good, but I, I think even for me, it was like, there's one hilarious thing. So there's, of course, the, updating of the classic he fights a t-rex kong fights fights a t-rex yeah um and then it was in all like the uh the um the promos that like this is like they're they're going to recreate the scene and it's the most hilarious like bigger better reboot thing that the movie does where so she gets attacked by the t-rex and then like kong like comes after you know like fight like you know finds her and like roars at the t-rex and is protecting her and it's like this big like you know pounce a chest or whatever and then as he's doing that then another t sorry it's called a v-rex in, in in the movie the the v-rex comes out and and then there comes another one so then you're like oh boy it's bigger and better like it's gonna be like you know he's now he's got to fight too and then right before the battle starts he raises his fist and then a third one <laughs> comes out <laughs> and it's just funny when you watch it there's no other way to look at it it's like oh my god it's bigger and badder <laughs> so that that's funny i mean and that fight is awesome but i mean 
I, you know, I always will appreciate it because I like watching all those set pieces. But I would admit that like it it does become inundated with just every single scene is like they come across a new monster <laughs> that they have to get rid of. Yeah. Um, and you know, and then there's obviously like there's that gi- the giant bugs scene, and then there's like a a stampede scene and then there's like oh now they're fighting giant bats scene and um and then in the extended scene there's more then they're fighting like an eel or something like that um so i i don't know i've never disliked it personally but i i do agree I, I, that I it's have long fond memories but it's also like i think it's worth me revisiting at some point soon mm-hmm. uh just in as i kind of re get into the wider jackson filmography right um, which, you know, I kind of want to do a lot of his later stuff. I have, like, you know, I'm not as familiar with, but, you know, I want to rediscover a lot of his early stuff, which I love, too. So then we have that, and then uh, that takes us all the way uh, to uh, 2017, in which we get the next iteration of Kong, uh, more related to what we've been talking about in this podcast, is uh, Kong Skull Island, uh, directed by Jordan Vote roberts uh, Which you can still listen to our initial reactions. Yes. If you go back <laughs> you can. all the way to King Kong vs. Godzilla. That was you, well-timed on our part. Yeah, it's definitely, like, I've often talked about that there really needs to be, like, a legendary... Uh, legendary monster verse just retrospective because i mean all my opinions of all those movies have been positive and i think they've only gone up uh or at least i should say more refined in what my opinions of them are um but yeah so this was like the big this was another big one so you know it was just kind of like you know when they did it 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 was announced and it kind of like okay like obviously there's got to be a new kong movie eventually and then this one there was like okay they're going like that cool reboot thing where they're calling it something else iconic in the franchise so in this time i think it was called skull island for a while and then it was called kong skull island um no into no uh information that it was at all going to be related to the Godzilla stuff. There were some rumors because I think it was also going to be, it was under legendary and, and right, all that. And again, yeah. to, to go into our, where were the Kong rights now? Mm-hmm. Now this was a Warner brothers production. Yes. Uh, Warner brothers and legendary. So again, Kong moves once again to another studio, but it, there, there was kind of a sense of like, again, we're right in the heap of the cinematic universe era mm-hmm. of, of filmmaking. And it's like, you know, Marvel has been extremely successful with that. We've seen, you know, we were seeing DC, you know, we, 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 the, the dark universe came and went, um, at this point, or at least was, was, I don't even think it it came and went. It, it, it just like waved at us in the car (laughs) as it went by, (laughs) but, but there was always like, yes, like people didn't know, but there was this suspicion of like, okay, well, you know, everybody's doing it. So Mm -hmm. it seems like, you know, but it was also, again, a testament to the way that Legendary was, was doing it. It's like they weren't really going ahead of themselves. Well, admittedly, there were some people who were a little bit, like, there there were a few of those descending voices of, like, oh, they're, do- they're you know, because eventually it did come out that they were going to, they, they had the dates and they were all going to um, intersect. And, you know, there were some of those people who didn't like that, you know, you set a date before the movie, even though, like, as we see that that meant nothing like in, in terms of the, the, the <laughs> yeah. yeah it's just like when you think about people complained about it and it's like none i don't think any of these movies came out on the date that they said they were going to come yeah it's like out. hey you 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 complain about dates no movie yeah. gets a date none of them no more dates for you <laughs> yeah they just and they, you, they should really they should all just uh, uh cloverfield paradox it where it's just like 
like we only know when a movie's going to come out when the Super Bowl happens, and then that's when the dates are announced, and they're always like within a year. Um, oh that would be funny. Like but the, su- the Super Bowl and Comic Con—that's the only two times dates can can ever mm-hmm. have any sort of significance. But like Kong Skull Island was interesting because so they announced it and. Um, and uh, when when they first announced it, and with the, like the original trailer, they had a Comic Con. It was very much in the vein of like what you think. You can actually look up the visual effects test for it. I, I've seen it before on Kaiju Twitter, and everybody thought it was a Kong uh, or Godzilla versus Kong thing. And I'm like, actually, that's like the CGI test that they showed us as the trailer when they originally announced Kong Skull Island. The one um, that you thought was Jurassic Park. Have I f- completely told that story? I don't think you have on on the podcast. Okay, so no. real quick, I mean, I know this story. Okay, so real quick, uh, Pod of the Friendcast, uh, Patrick, who was a guest a couple episodes back, we were in Hall H together. Super excited! It, w- it was one of our first times there, and it was kind of. And I think it was. Um, this actually may have been when Kong was with Universal. I think. Or there was something, I think, or it was like that, or like Legendary was involved some way. But it, it was a mystery. I think what it they... was a Legendary tease, but again, like, because Legendary did move. That's what it was, yeah. Because Legendary did move, like, studios. Yeah, so, right. Like, eventually, Legendary got, you know, is now under the Warner Brothers banner. So there was a, there was a, uh, um, a, we didn't know what it was going to be, what the, what the trailer or the teases was going to be. So this teaser comes up. And it's like this kind of like vague, generic, like um, uh, what like a VO on like somebody being like, oh, like you know, there are mysteries out there, like something like that. So we didn't know what it was, and then it comes up, and he's like, he's like, and now we're going to explore that mystery. And then like the camera comes on, and it's like this stormy ocean uh, skyline uh, and horizon, and we're zooming in on like a big stormy island. So Patrick and I, as huge Jurassic Park fans, we thought, because at that point there was no other information on Jurassic Park movies, so there, we thought that was like, it was Jurassic Park, so we kind of like had a preemptive like, oh man, like we were so, like, like we reacted in that Comic-Con way before anybody else did, and they're like, oh my god, like, and we're thinking like we're gonna see like a T-Rex or like the Jurassic Park sign, and then they show like the skull from Skull Island, and then they show King Kong, so, and th- but there was an audible like yeah, and then like when they show Kong, we're like oh, <laughs> like so like we were completely off, and we did look foolish. But what was funny? Why I did want to bring that up, which is super interesting. That had no visually, tonally, very unlike what Kong Island ended up being, or sorry, right. Skull Island ended up being, um, because. Then eventually, when the trailer for Skull Island came out, and I was like, "Okay, interesting, a Kong movie coming out," but when they announced, when they showed, like, "This is what this new movie is going to be," that's when even I was like, "What? This is it? This looks awesome!" Like it was, and I think when you when you look up anything about Jordan Vote Roberts, whether it's the DVD commentary or interviews or podcasts or anything. I think that my reaction is exactly what he was going for because he was very adamant on like this had to be unlike any Kong movie you had ever seen. Yeah. Uh, he was very adamant about like the color palette of the movie had to be very yeah. vibrant and crazy. 
Um, he even goes to things like he wanted to like do things like he was very adamant that you know the creatures just not be dinosaurs because the the Kong movies had already done that. Um, the size of Kong was a different thing. The the tone of the film uh, was supposed to be completely different. The time period of it being kind of like the Vietnam War era. That's that's what I was about to mention. Is that again when we talk about that the other two major people Kong movies that people know are the 33 original and the 2005 Peter Jackson film. Again, their image of Kong is in that 30s period because the original was made contemporarily and 2005 was made as a period piece to that original 33 era. So when you get to Skull Island and it's the big 70s and the color and the Vietnam War and everything like that, it really is just something that really is like a, it's a shakeup. It's like a, whoa, this is so different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it it, it it was super like, and it, it really it really took me by surprise. Like, mm -hmm. it, it, like I did not I did not see it coming in terms of the way the movie was. And we have talked about the movie. Like, we're we're both fans um, of the of the film, and and you really without like kind of being a broken record about it, it really is like the the movie that goes away from the 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 pack about uh and it's funny because i actually did i got major more vibes from uh I, um from um or more of a connection between this and the movie we're going to talk about today with king kong escapes like i i felt like obviously the kong movies have always been about like oh the the monstrous beast that has like some humanity to him whereas i felt like kong skull island definitely went for like okay yeah like he's like a uh a violent protector like he's definitely like he's not just another one of the many kaiju he's not just one of the other many monsters and um you know the toho films especially the one today king kong escapes kind of goes that way um as well um, yeah. was, was there anything else you wanted to say about Skull Island? It's hard because I feel like I could I could talk about Skull Island for like another hour, definitely. But yeah, uh, I, I I think it's best to kind of leave our thoughts for you know maybe that's something we can do mm -hmm. another. I, I, that's something I obviously would not be opposed to doing another time. Yeah, you know, in, in the lead up to I, to. I do I do think it's funny. I do have to. I'm not sure if I mentioned it, but the story about how there was a draft of this movie where the opening scene of the movie, which, by the way, Kong, Kong Skull Island has a hilarious opening scene. It has an opening scene that should not be in any movies like this when you really think about it. Like the whole, you know, like the when they fall from the sky and then like the like the the two uh, oh, yeah, army yeah, guys yeah. in World War Two, I believe it was, and then yeah. and they're shooting at each other point blank and they're missing each other. It's crazy. I love it. Um, but it, originally there was a draft of this movie where they're all fighting on the island in a very similar way, and then there's a roar that comes out from like the trees on the beachfront. And then a giant King Kong, a la the one we see in uh, Peter Jackson's Kong, like the on all fours and everything, like coming out and every um like that, like like rampages at them. And then they just shoot it and kill it. And then they're like, oh, that was close. And then there's an even bigger roar, and it was kind of like, and that I believe that Jordan Roberts said like that was the only thing that the studio was like, we're not doing that. <laughs> That's that we're literally not going to make a point of what your King Kong is by killing Peter Jackson's King Kong. <laughs> we're just not going to right. do that. But the biggest interesting one is like, even though we know he's going to be bigger in Godzilla versus Kong is like, this is like the first Kong in a while where I think he was like proper Kaiju size in, in, in a way like, I, or at least 
because like I, I think there was like you know he was like the size and he's much bigger than the one in uh, Peter Jackson's Kong where yeah, he's like it's, in... it's one of the biggest Kongs yeah. of all time yeah definitely what were you gonna say also, I'm sorry. no other Kong movie features gas masks and samurai swords so no yeah. <laughs> another thing that shouldn't be in that movie but I'm super glad. Uh, it, is. it is. Um, so anything else about just the legacy of Kong thinking about all of those movies and it, it's like, it is a creature though. It's like, again, with the weirdness of that filmic legacy, when you really look at it. And again, just the idea that there's really three of them that I think peak people's minds, that image of Kong is so specific and that's what is consistent between all of them mm-hmm. is the giant ape mm-hmm. is so such an indelible part of film history and filmic culture that, you know, it's just, it's just so interesting that like, when you really look at it, it's like that, what remains is the giant monkey, the giant ape, you know, and people climbing the buildings, everything like that. That's like kind of the, that's the big thing about it. Cool. So why don't we, why, you know, you say that I mentioned that, you know, he goes back to his kaiju roots in a skull Island. Well, let's go back to a, a version of Kong that definitely is considered a kaiju. As we go back to the Toho era of Kong, uh, we are right off of the heels of um, King Kong versus Godzilla. Toho still, um, it has a uh, hankering for some giant, uh, for some giant ape in their film. And they are going to continue with this new, uh, well, yeah, I would say like this, their own version of Kong, which a lot of people just call Toho Kong. So why don't we uh, play the quote and we'll just get right into King Kong Escapes. Oh, a gorilla. Are we going to make surveys of animals on this trip too, Commander? No, this is just for our own amusement. This has nothing to do with our report to the UN. Oh. Well, I don't see how you can be amused by gorillas. I think they're dull. Well, this one's 60 feet tall. What do you think of him? 60 feet? (laughs) That's right. This is Kong, the strongest living creature on Earth. Oh, yes, I remember. A legend. And yet, underlying that old legend is some truth. Are you saying that Kong's not just fictional? Yes, I'll show you. I've devoted a good many years to research on Kong. Data I've obtained shows that a giant anthropoid had lived on an island in this area. It still may be there. It may. Okay, well, we're back. Um, So, I I think people have kind of gathered from what we've been, you know, how we've been recording uh, these recently, but um, N- Nick and I n- no longer watch these with each other, um, the- these films as much. And if there was one movie so far that I was kind of sad that we don't, it's this one. Because yeah. this one was like, this one took me back to like, the reactions I was having was like, I know Nick must be having a, a-, a certain reaction to like this and-, and that one. So that may paint a little bit of like, uh, just without bearing the lead too much of us talking about um, this film, and that is the um, Toho's uh, Japanese and American uh, production of 1967's King Kong Escapes, or as it was known in Japan, King Kong's Counterattack. 
I like that. Um, now, going into this one, other than, I mean, I think by this point we knew enough about King Kong, or at least tangentially knew enough about King Kong Escapes just by doing this podcast. Um, but you're right. I, I think I would have considered myself in that group of people who would have grown up not knowing. I mean, I think you knew about Godzilla versus King Kong, and that was like a thing. But you definitely didn't. I didn't know that there were like a, there was like another one that there was like yeah. a, that there was a sequel to it. Especially like the the real context of like what this movie actually is mm-hmm. it is super fascinating and something that you would never really think about being a thing. I mean, being a a, a Racklin and Bass, um, Rankin and Bass. Rankin and Bass. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I said it like that. Yeah. Rankin and Bass production. Hey, you're just slapping a little bass. Yeah. Slapping Rank, the bass. Rankin the bass. Rankin the bass. Um, Rankin the but, bass. you know, because it's even that is like, oh, those guys made live action movies and or helped produce Japanese live action movies because obviously they're most known or what their big legacy is are the stop motion animated Christmas specials mm-hmm. and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Frosty the Snowman and Mr. Hot and Mr. Cold and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, and so that they're involved and, and then sort of, oh, it's like a different King Kong movie. And again, it's like Japanese, and, but also the American co-production because it has like American actors in it. Um, like everything about that is just already super fascinating. Uh, in and of itself, just from a production perspective. Well, I mean, I got it. Like, this movie became one of the most, one of the more fascinating entries into, especially, like, when we get into, like, this is kind of like that Showa-era time period uh, of everything with Godzilla. So Godzilla has kind of, like, gone off into, you know, his Like, what era? Because this is 67, right? So what would have been around this period for uh, Godzilla? Um, um, I am. Give me one second. I am. Uh, no, not Godzilla France. Godzilla franchise. <laughs> I don't want Godzilla France. That's not the French I, accent. I got it. No, I got it right here too. Well, no, I got it. Um, so sixty-seven. So this would have been the same year that um, Son of Godzilla came out. Yes, um, that is correct. Will. Yeah. Uh, so you know we're we're a couple movies deep into the Godzilla the We're comfortably Godzilla. into the Showa yeah. era. We've mm-hmm. had Ghidorah, we've had Aliens. Um, you know, Godzilla's had a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh or it has a kid this year. Yeah. Um so but, but yeah, we're like right in the middle cuz that's what I really felt most comfortably is like I I really feel that you this this original like kind of really main Showa era. Like I I mean, you know, obviously 54 and Raids again are are part of that, but like mm-hmm. That period from King Kong versus Godzilla through like destroy all monsters, I think is I, I just feel like I would enjoy almost anything from that era. And like not to say like there have been some bad movies from that era, mm-hmm. but like I'll still get some sort of enjoyment even out of Invasion of Astro Monster or the original Mothra, which are films that I am kind of lower on. Mm-hmm. And even Son of Godzilla, which I feel in retrospect I was a little too harsh on when we originally watched it. I think that if I revisited it, I think I'd have a little bit more some some more enjoyment out of it but that that just really felt felt fit comfortably into that era and and just the joy i get out of watching this type of movie but yeah it really just slots right into kind of this kind of peak show era well so like when we when we look at like the the timeline and going into this film so 
it's super fascinating. So the biggest thing is that it's not a a sequel to Godzilla or to King Kong versus Godzilla. No, it is um, it is its own thing. Yeah, it is its own thing and it really um it, it it's very much attributed to being kind of like a live action spin-off slash retelling remake of the um Excuse me, of the um, King Kong show or the King Kong show, which was an an, an animated, um, another kind of like American uh, Japanese co-production um, animated series uh, of Kong, uh, which was kind of generally like he's on an island and then man gets involved and then he becomes like a savior of or a good guy, like essentially, yeah. is what it becomes. So this was kind of like a live action adaptation of that. Um, so so there was that. But the biggest thing, and and this shows in the movie itself, is like this was during that period uh, where, or this was one of Toho's uh, many um, diving into the American like co production. Um, yes, and then we and as, that, as we as we've seen before with. We invasion of the astral monster, and more specifically, recently, uh, War of the Gargantuas. Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, so it was super fascinating to see. I, I kind of like. I, I want to get this out of the way about just what our general thoughts on the movie were. Um, and so, what did what did you think of the movie? Again, just again, an enjoyable Showa era entry, like a bit of a step down from like something like War of the Gargantuas, which I think is is very high on like my Showa era. Mm-hmm kind of films list i think it's i i think it's actually a movie which interestingly enough um has a lot of those goofy show elements that i love and like a lot of like really just kind of fun moments um but doesn't i i think actually is some like for a really weirdly for a show era film some of the most interesting moments for me and most of the interesting moments for me were kind of on the human side of things and kind of the ridiculousness of that stuff where the kong stuff was like pretty good for most of the movie, but I did feel was kind of a step down from some of the other monster action of things that we had seen around this era. And not really a step down, just a little different, uh, a different little sort of taste, mm-hmm. but, it, but it was enjoyably goofy in that sense. And, and just kind of a fun, just a fun, like I, I had a smile watching this I, for sure. So for me, what was like, so I don't know where it will where it would go in terms of me personally liking it, especially in comparison to those other movies that that you mentioned, like especially War of the Gargantuas. But I would honestly say I think as a movie, I, I always kind of like hate that kind of criteria, but like bear with me. As a movie, I actually thought this was really good, like in terms of it being kind of like a pretty well structured. Like you know, telling like the story from A to B, um, plotted. It was it was I was kind of taken aback by just how like solid it was as a film in a way that I think that it does exceed some of the other co-productions such as Astro, definitely Astro Monster. And I actually think that there were some major strengths over Gargantua's. I, now, I think Gargantua's kind of fit. It was funny because where somewhere Gargantua's leans a little bit more towards the Toho filmmaking and like the style and like the pacing that you're used to in that, I almost felt like this was the most American Toho film that we had yeah, watched. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would um, agree with that. There, what I was really struck by, I and I, so basically, I, I enjoyed the movie 
quite a bit. And I, I think that maybe for me, like Gargantuas is still just a little bit more interesting to me. I'm just like, I just kind of gravitate to it like slightly more. Yeah. But what I was really struck by with this film was that there was a precision and a thoroughness to the filmmaking and the storytelling that really you don't see for better or for worse in a lot of like the strictly Toho Showa era films. Um, and, you know, and Honda also directed this one, but, but it was just everything about it just screamed like Honda was making like an American production as opposed to the other two uh, films that were like this. And then, so like what, what I mean by that is like just from things like how thorough like the character introductions were like the time that we spent with like certain characters and, you know, uh, the way in which humor was used in the in, in this film and the way in which the editing kind of went into the humor and then the way that like the motivations uh and like exposition and things and things were told like the 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 biggest thing i can kind of compare it to and again this is for better or for worse is that there is kind of sometimes a meandering quality to a lot of the toho films where there is a lot of like especially the earlier ones they're like okay like We've seen Mothra going through this town for like ten minutes now. Like let's yeah. let, let's kind of move on a little bit. But they they kind of there's this sense of like, um, and this is why I think uh, Ghidra uh, the or Ghidorah the Three Headed Monster is the be- like kind of one of the better examples of this. But there's this sense of like you know that there is a framing device with the movie, um, and it's kind of like you know the 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 human characters. They have some things going on, but for the most part, they're kind of like chess pieces that get moved around, and then the monsters kind of take a, a little bit more of that emotional weight. I felt like with this one is like I was actually like watching like a movie that was very deliberate in terms of you know really f- maybe not fleshing out, but thoroughly telling like a. Um, uh, just a sci-fi story. Like there, were, there was just kind of like a pacing and a feel to it that I felt like the other, other films didn't have. Like I felt like we effectively got from one scene to the other. You knew exactly who everybody was and what everybody's relationship to, uh, to them were. Um, it didn't meander on monster spectacle, but it still delivered on it in the set pieces where it was necessary. Um, there, there just wasn't any. There were a few weird choices, and there were a few scenes where I'm like, "This is this is this is a choice, definitely." But there was no, I felt there was no like wasted space in it. Whereas, like often, I have felt even as much of the Showa era films I love, where there are times when I'm like, um, "Okay, like you know the the pacing mentality is definitely different." I would agree with you when when you when you said it. It was one of those things where I wouldn't have thought about this on my own, but when you said it, I a hundred percent like I was like, oh yes, I agree. It really is the editing of the movie mm-hmm. um, that is most specifically feels different mm-hmm. um, because it really does like it has like moments where it kind of cuts from one thing you know to another as like kind of a joke or. It, it, it just there's a, there is a little bit more deliberate editing than than you would see in a lot of these Showa era films. Um, like for instance, I, like for the, like an editing and the humor, uh, I would say is like there's things like um, they're looking for Kong and the bad guys get Kong, and then somebody says a line of like 
Well, well, it's like, don't worry. It, it, it'll be easy to find them. Like, unless what? They took them up to the North Pole, and then they cut to the bad guys up in the North Pole. And I was right. like, I've never seen anything like that in a, a, at least a lot of those classic uh, Toho films. And, and even if they're in there, maybe it's a language barrier thing. Um, by the way, like just because of the availability of this, we watched a the English version of it. Which yeah, this was not an easy movie to to come no, across. No, we, but, we but, the, we, but we we, we had was, to dig. It was good though. I, I thought oh, no, no, like, no, it yeah. was. And again, I I really think it is like these American co-productions because you obviously well one of the women is dubbed very poorly, which I will talk about. Oh, there's um, a story behind that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure there is. Mm-hmm. But like the main dude, who first of all has the has the exact voice of like what you want in these type of movies. Like it's just that very specific. Oh, like, he had Kyle Chandler in King of the Monsters vibes for yes. sure. Yeah, but like he's very clearly like speaking English. And, you know, I mean, but it's like his lines match what he's saying. So there's, I, I feel like with that, like when you really get into troubles when everything's being dubbed, because I feel like there's a lot more room to maneuver for you know who is ever dubbing it to just change whatever. Whereas like when you do have at least one person you know speaking English on film. I think it really does kind of like, well, he has to still say what he has to say. So, mm-hmm. like, for he's the one who says the North Pole line, so you know that's, like, a deliberate choice. Right, of right. Like, of that cut and everything like that. Also, got to say, right, I mean, no, actually, I'll save it. I'll save it. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so, like, you know, so th- there was, that was really what struck me about it, like, the most. Like, I just, I just, like, really was taken aback by, like, how efficiently the movie was told and yeah um it's i mean it's a well done it is a well done kind of story in the sense of like it, it really progresses along and i think it like introduces a lot of really interesting elements mm-hmm. um you know and i think like it, it does what some of those better shoho like uh shoho showa era toho films do in that they do kind of have these interesting human elements that like really you know kind of help move the movie along um and again i think like more interesting human element more that not enough people give credit to i mm-hmm. think it also like uh, hits the ground running too. this movie oh, like well yeah i mean you you're like almost right away introduced to like you know you have like our submarine crew and then you're introduced to a guy in a cape like almost right okay away. we got to talk about this guy in a cape all right so yeah, the, the, the time lord himself okay Doctor all Who. right so his name is doctor who and every single imdb trivia i find says he's not actually doctor who which yes i get it all right i know thank you imdb yes. uh, no what, I, what this is must be the war doctor i've heard so much about <laughs> but so this guy so basically you're right we, we we're introduced to the crew in which we're just Basically, right away, every like people know that Kong is like a thing, and he's like the most powerful thing on the earth. They well, very efficiently I, I, get I, out that information. Yeah, I'll talk about the crew because you get introduced on the submarine first, and like the first thing we see is like, you know, some dude working on the submarine. It's like, oh, that's like the doctor. Like, I, I wouldn't mind getting sick for her. Mm-hmm. And then she kind of retorts, "It's like that know, was funny. She, I thought that was a no, funny joke. No, I, I like that where it's like she's like, don't you forget, I have lots of like things I can like you know give you." Like in like a in like a, I forget the exact line, but they're like yes sir, and, and you know, and, and there's still kind of like you know fem you know female things of this era that this that this movie does, but I, I guess that was like another thing that really struck me about it, where like all you know not for nothing, but the three leads are like this white dude, a Japanese guy, and a chick. Yeah, <laughs> like it's like so just yeah. like a, 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 like visually I, that was kind of interesting and nice to see. I did like this opening scene though with the crew because first of all, it's like, you know, the, the our lead doctor, our female doctor, like her thing is just like, 
her asking questions to catch you up on Kong and like the concept. Oh yeah, of Kong. yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, it's like, what is this? An ape? It's like actually, it's a giant ape. Like all that sort of stuff. Um, and then my favorite part was when they're talking about Kong, and then immediately like our main character, the 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 American, uh, the English actor. Um, uh, uh, the character's name is Carl Nelson. Carl Nelson. And he's played by Road Reason, Reason, Road Reason. who Again, was apparently a... a dick on this movie when making it. He was an well, asshole. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, but also, again, he has that dick. perfect voice for like this type of era movie. Mm-hmm. But I like how they're just like, kind of casually talking about Kong, and then he immediately erupts. I like, I've been obsessed with Kong for as long as I can remember. Like, like it's just like he just starts going into this monologue about how like Kong has been his like passion in life, and someday he will go to Mondo Island to buy some records and yeah. prints. <laughs> There's I mean, this really there's this really subtle running I don't even want to call it a gag but there's this little bit where it's like these two men are posturing for this for this woman and it's never made explicit. Like there's just like these weird little moments where like if like uh like um the our one our Japanese lead uh Jiro Nomura if if like he like you know He's like, you know, is getting fond uh, uh, with our uh, female lead, uh, doc, uh, Lieutenant Susan Watson. Um, you know, if they're hugging, then like there'll be like kind of like a weird look from like Nelson. And then like when he's talking to her, he'll like put his hands on her. Like, and it's like just shy enough from being like creepy. But I definitely noticed it where. Right, yeah, and the, like, and, the, and the film never dives into it. Like, yeah, that, they're both they're definitely both vying for her like romantic <laughs> attention, and she never really reciprocates. Like, no, but more- but but also the movie never really like actively pursues it as a plot point either, which yeah, is what no, exactly. I found funny. Right, it's just like they're both clearly like into her, but like there's never any paid attention. Which is kind of like it's kind of cool because it means like, all right, we're not going to derail the movie for a weird love triangle plot, but we're going right, to like no, acknowledge her, her that one, like her yeah. one true love is Kong as we established <laughs> in the movie. So anyway, so we're introduced to these guys and I, and I actually thought they were three solid leads for the film and that you yeah. could track and everybody had, like you just kind of bought that like, okay, this is a trio of coworkers slash friends that make it through the entire movie. And I, and I, and I did like that aspect of it. Yeah. Um, and then you're, and then so then we're introduced to uh, Doctor Who, uh, who I have to mention first of all mm-hmm. is dubbed by one Mister Paul Freeze, which I recognized almost immediately. Oh, did you? Uh, yeah, uh, Paul Freeze. I mean, I'm a Disney fan. Right, like, I'm right. a big Disney fan, and like, I you know, he's the ghost host at the Haunted Mansion. You know, I've uh, he he voices over the Mars and Beyond episode, the Disneyland show. He has a lot of big Disney roles. And like I know his cadence almost instantly, and even him, he's a he is affecting a little bit of an uh, of an Oriental type accent mm. uh, what, onto the role. But what, like um, I still recognize it's like I cannot recognize his cadence. So I was happy to see even uh, here mm-hmm. my my love for Paul Freeze shines on. Well, we could talk about like that. His plot is that he knows Kong is one of the most powerful creatures on Earth, so he's creating Mechanic Kong, which is a mechanical version of Kong, to do his bidding in in you know the real Kong's stead. So we could talk about important stuff like that, or we could talk about the fact that he wears a cape, which was I think extraordinarily I think there's hilarious. There's two things about this character that I love. One is the cape, like he has just like kind of that classic villain sort of like kind of cloak cape where like oh that's how you know the movie was awesome because it's like 
when a character looks like that, like unapologetically, it's like, oh, it's this. Yes. That's what this is. I think there's a couple things. One, even with the dub, you can tell that I think there's a couple more things. So I love the cape. Mm-hmm. You can also tell that even with the dub, that the 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 Japanese actor that's portraying mm-hmm. Doctor Who is relishing the role. Mm-hmm. Like just in his eyes, you can tell. Also, one of the things I loved most about this character is how you could basically make the argument that he's kind of bad at his at his job. Because he keeps like, you know, he's so confident in himself. Where, you know, it's like the beginning is like, oh, like, we're going to send Kong down here, like, Mechanic Kong down here and get Chemical X. And then it's just like, you know, and then Mechanic Kong fails down in the mine. He's like, oh, damn, all this, all the circuits short circuited. Mm-hmm. So then it's like his new plan is like, okay, like, then he's like begging because there's also, he, there's this uh, female representative of some other country that is purposely vague. Mm-hmm. Um where like he's begging her for more money, and then he's like, you know, she's already like, we've we've given you too much money already. Like, what do you want me to say to them? And she's like, come on, like you you don't want to like, have, you know, he starts doing that. But then like later, like you know, he captures Kong later, and then he's like, she's like, are you sure there's no evidence that it's you? He's like, it's fine. Like there's no evidence that it's me. And then later he's like trying to control Kong, and that fails. Like every opportunity he like, it seems like it's like a very simple failure that he could have honestly seen coming if he was anywhere as smart as he seems to be, but he's so confident that he'll just keep getting away with it. I love that aspect of the character. I'm glad you mentioned this because this is another aspect that really does excel where a lot of show era movies don't necessarily fail, but this is like a big difference is like, even with a lot of the fleshed out villains and show era movies, they kind of just like give like a good, they're, they're, you know, they're kind of like, and a lot of people are going to hear this as a diss, but you and me, you're, you're going to get this. But a lot of Showa-era villains are like Ronin from Guardians of the Galaxy, where they're like, you get what they are, and it's more about like the, their presentation and them just mustache twirling, and that's how they're fleshed out as like a villain or like the archetype of a villain. Like right. that, they're that we just like them because like if you talk about the the Zillions or like the um, aliens from Terror of Mecha Godzilla, um, like like movies like that, like you really buy into the motivations of the villain, but more from like an archetypical uh, mustache twirly type of way, and and they work. Um, but this time around, they really do not like as sympathetic characters but they do flesh out the villain of enough where the movie spends time with the villain and their problems as well like so the fact that like they intri- like the fact that Mechanicong is like a cool tool but it's not working the way they want to becomes their conflict in the movie and they're like well what do we do and then like the money problems with the ambassador so you kind of get this relationship and it's all these things that when you watch the movie that could go thankless but there as the movie goes on you realize like all those little beats helped flesh out like who these people are and helped flesh out all these relationships so you're kind of a little bit more invested in uh this doctor who uh because he is uh you know because you understand all of his problems you don't necessarily need to sympathize with them but you you get where he's coming from and it's cool and it's cool to see so like you're right he has this mechanic kong and he's trying to what bury into the center of the earth or something like that like he's like basically there's this like element x element x yeah that's what what they call in the movie he's about to make the powerpuff girls it's essentially like kind of the um 
you know, there's just a kind of an allegory where it's like, oh, like if you have a lot of this element, like you'll control the world. There's like a line like forget the Americans and the Soviets. Like once you have all the, you know, element X, like you'll be in control. Like there's kind of a nuclear kind of angle mm-hmm. or like that sort of thing to it. But like the thing is, it's like it's just so hard to mine because like there's only like trace amounts like on the surface level. And it's hard to get into like the locations where it's located. Right. So the right. Whole thing about like he builds Mechanicong with the idea of like only Kong is strong enough to get down there. And we have a robot version Mm -hmm. of him, which by the way, also should mention Mechanicong 10 out of 10 design. It's exactly what I would imagine the Mechanicong to look like. Oh, oh, the mechanic, the design, the suit performance, the, the, uh, the way in which it moves is, is very good. I mean, I'd actually give pretty good passing marks to all like, kind of like the, uh, suitmation in terms of like the uh, the chore the choreography and the movement of the the creatures in this, but the Mechanicong one is easily like the best thing to come out of this of this movie. I thought Mechanicong reminded me of like you know like when in like the nineties where like they you know like when toy lines would have a lot of toys and then they would run out of source material to make the toys on, mm-hmm. so they would just start making up other shit right. to just keep. Like keep going with and, the toys. And it's like we already have a mold of of King Kong, but we have just enough money to make it just enough different. It's exactly <laughs> what that '90s version of a mechanical King Kong would look like. Right, right. And it just, I love. It's got like the hinged jaw of like a robot. Like it kind of looks like. I gotta admit, this, this is this is jumping ahead. Did you laugh as hard as I did when when later on in the movie his mouth opened up and it was a speakerphone of Doctor Who talking? Yes, that, I thought that was hysterical. I don't know why it, that made me. You know laugh what? So it's like what's funny is like now that I think about it, what I really like about it is like it kind of reminds me of the Iron Giant just based off the look. Yeah, like, a little bit. Like, yeah, the, like like the mouth and everything just kind of has that Iron Giant feel. But as King Kong, it's mm-hmm. great. Uh, and again, Doctor uh, Doctor Who. Um, there is one moment with him that I do want to go ahead and talk about, but I think we should talk about other stuff first because there's one moment with him that I found absolutely amazing. Well, the the, the one. It, like if if it's going to go to me the one thing i will say just to get it out of the way is that it's you know it's appropriate for this podcast is that doctor who and his whole deal is the most blatant james bond spy reference i mean i looking it up this was very on the nose where it's like you know this was very much he was supposed to be a bond villain like like, it's, it's basically Doctor No in yes. one sense of the word. It's mm-hmm. like Doctor No with a little bit of Blofeld. He like, he he was there. he was very much um, modeled after um, Blofeld and Doctor No and 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 then just everything about him as the movie goes on, where you know he's like, oh, come into my chamber so we can discuss the like you know an exchange for your friends, and then like gassing the the thing. He's like, oh, it's like now we're gonna gas you because like you know and things like that and. Um, and then just like the elaborate dress and everything, and that there's always somebody involved. Like everything about him just spoke at. I mean, and to the point that there are very, very Bond-ish scenes in the movie. Like mm-hmm. you know when our one, uh, you know our lead character is um, going with uh, the, you know he he's meeting with the um, female uh, villain. Our um, what is her name? Uh, <laughs> Madame Piranha. <laughs> That's <laughs> her name. Who uh, also was in a Bond movie. Was she? Yeah, she was one of the uh, Japanese women. No in, way. Um, in uh, uh, You Only Live Twice. Oh, awesome. 
That's really and cool. She's a, yeah, she's she was in a Bond movie because actually that would have been she would have filmed that and then probably filmed this like right after the other because mm-hmm. they were those came out in the same year. Those are both so in, in many ways when you really think about this, this is the closest at least in tone and kind of like style that we would expect, at least I would expect, from a James Bond-Godzilla crossover. Because I actually think that's another thing I would say about this movie, is that while, you know, there may be a couple editing choices I would have made differently, um, Mm -hmm. it's a pretty good balance of being, like, this giant kaiju movie and then also this espionage movie, I I thought. Yeah, I would Um, agree. I I thought it balanced those two. It it is a pretty good mixture of, like, kind of the the kaiju action and and the human action. Again, I did kind of more, I, I kind of felt more entertained by the human action at points. Oh, yeah, well, um, but, that was, like, the biggest thing. Like, when we were getting into, like, the James Bond-feeling stuff, sometimes, like, the music cues were a little bit laughable and, like, just kind of, like, the the like the, uh, the pivot into, like, some, like, kind of, like, cool James Bondy jazz was a little bit, like, uh, that's a little silly. But I, I found myself not really – I, I found myself not, like, uh, in that mindset of, like, why aren't we seeing monsters fighting? exactly and that's kind of like a big strength of the movie i actually think a lot of it has to do with the doctor who and our 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 ambassador madame piranha stuff Mm -hmm. i really think like that stuff just having just a little bit more uh meat to it Mm -hmm. i think really anchors the movie because i think you are again you do you're right you do have this kind of nice little triumvirate in our lead heroes but the fact that you also do get to spend time with the villains i think really kind of you know, helps out with not having as much of those Kong fights. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So, like, so the movie itself is, like, so they go, if I remember, so they go to this island. There's little details like this I'm a little bit fuzzy on. So it's, like. So, basically, their their initial plans is they're doing stuff for the UN, mm -hmm. our main trio, and they're, like, going to pass Mondo Island, Mm -hmm. um, which is having a sale on records, of course. Uh, well, let's mention that. It's I just Black Friday sale, right for Black right, right for Kong's giving. <laughs> Got to get that Lost Live album. Um, but they're like they're like disappointed because it's like oh like someday we'll get there, but not today. But then they have an issue with their submarine where like there's something wrong with the rudder, and they have to like kind of go on land. And it's like you know it, it's basically like wouldn't you know it we landed you know we have to fix this ship right next to Mondo Island so. Might as well, like, you know, check it out and maybe see if there's any help we can get. Uh, so they go on the island and encounter, which is apparently the only dude living there, um, which I thought was also funny, where it's just like, there's just this one, like, native. Right. And they, like, basically, like, establish, like, I think he's the only one on this island. <laughs> um, and, of course, again, our, uh, our main hero, because he's so versed in Kong in Mondo Island culture, that he knows the language that he's speaking. Mm-hmm. And so basically, like, Kong must be here. So once so they go off uh, into the woods, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, they're basically talking about it. And, of course, they, they, the two men tell our, 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 our doctor that, like, it's safer for you down here. We're going to go up the mountain, but you stay here. At which point she encounters Gorosaurus. So this was like the biggest, like, not surprise, but it, it was just the biggest thing I forgot. Like, because I knew that th- this was like Gorosaurus's debut, but mm-hmm. I completely blanked on that. So when he showed up, I was like, oh yeah, Gorosaurus. And it, it, it's really interesting because my reference for Gorosaurus is destroy all monsters. 
So it was really cool not only seeing him in his debut, but also seeing the origin of the infamous kangaroo kick. Yes. Uh, which which was great, and I'm glad that that kind of ended up. I mean, ultimately, I know Toho wanted not only I, – I, maybe they – I think I know they wanted Kong and Destroy All Monsters, but it didn't work out, so maybe that's why Gorosaurus was in it. But um, – it was just fun to kind of like go back to this original and be like, "Oh, that's where that's where it's from. That that's really cool." And um, does, the kickboxing does lead to a really boss moment. But first, I want to mention, yeah. So, oh, I when he fr- said, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When you, you said you had a story about the the doctor's dubbing because her re like the dubbing on her reaction to like Kong and Gorosaurus. It, it's just, it's, it's like, that's... It, this was a little silly. I, I'll agree. That, like, this was so a little The thing little is, silly. is, like, generally speaking, like, like, like we talked about watching the dub of War of the Gargantuas, but one of the things that I thought worked out really well is, like, you didn't really have any of that really cheesy, bad dubbing that, like, a lot of these, like, movies are made fun of for. Mm-hmm. Like, it really, like, War of the Gargantuas. And this movie mostly gets away with that. But but that dubbing on her, because I couldn't even tell it was very clearly dubbed, is the type of thing that people make fun of, like, these, like, dubs of Japanese movies for. Because it was just so badly acted and wooden and just not natural at all and totally took away from, like, her character, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was otherwise was fine. It's just, like, the dubbing was real not great on her. Yeah. It, so, basically, the story behind this is is that, obviously, they had to dub like everybody, but they did not get the same actress to dub her in the movie. Um, and the only reason I could find was that I think that like, she was not part of like the actors guild. Ah. Like, I think that she was technically a model that, you know, they brought in to like, you know, perform in the movie. But, mm. um, cause I know reason came on to do his, um, but in, and I think it was one of those things where people were like, well, why did he do his, but she didn't when she's like on record by saying she was disappointed that she wasn't asked to br- be brought back. And the difference that a lot of people said is like he was in the union and she wasn't so that, that's, yeah. so there, there's yeah. a little bit of kind of, it's not exactly clear, but that's like the, the closest kind yeah. of thing I could find. Um, but, well, yeah, th- it was a little, it was a little silly. And while it does kind of lead to some plot elements that I think work in the movie, the kind of them going about the hey Kong likes the lady that that was one of the only moments where I'm like this is a little a little silly. Well, no, I was gonna yes that that's a little bit where it's like again that's kind of the thing that they take you know again that's one of the things that both Toho films take from uh, the original Kong mm-hmm. and that's something that's an element of you know what people think of Kong is that he he's charmed by the beautiful woman. Oh sure sure sure. I mean beautiful- a lot of this is just Toho. Wanting to get their hands on doing the Kong stuff, I, that yeah. was like one of the but, few times where I thought what I, that. What I was going to say is that the whole thing is like Gorosaurus comes in, and then Kong comes in to basically save her, and Gorosaurus and Kong fight, and it leads to this very boss moment where Gor, like Kong, charges at Gorosaurus. Gorosaurus does the kangaroo drop kick thing, and then you just see Kong kind of roll and immediately pop back up, mm-hmm. like ready for the fight. And I thought, like, that was awesome. Oh, the first time he does the kangaroo kick is also pretty boss, too. Like, I thought that was awesome when that happened. Yeah, it was kind of a good count. Like, the kangaroo kick and then Kong, again, like, just a perfect roll and, like, just popped up. And then, like, the whole thing is Kong keeps going back and keeps getting knocked down but learns about the timing and then kind of gets Gorosaurus down. That was, like, kind of a fun little fight sequence between the two. And I thought, like, it kind of showcased both 
of these kaiju pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was a fun fight, especially for a movie that I think spends most of its time in like kind of like the the spy genre. I, I thought that that delivered. Uh, yeah. That was that was a lot of fun um, Though, and very yeah, well you, done uh, technically. Yeah, and then we get to you know call, oh that also the green screen work on that sequence when she's in Kong's hands is not great. But yeah, again, it's not that's the, not that's it's, not it's the best. The, it's 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 of the era, so can I, but it was just Can I talk about the hardest I laughed in this movie when a giant water snake shows up out of nowhere and Kong just throws a rock yes! at it? Yes, and it's just like on the mark. Because the whole thing is like they do, you know, he picks her up and she's like, No, Kong, put me down. Put me down. Like that's the way she speaks, which again mm-hmm. leads to the dubbing. So then they're like, Okay, we gotta get out of here. And then they're also in this kind of flying boat thing. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was really funny because it's like it like when they first land, it's like oh they were just in some sort of boat that was on the submarine, but then when it's flying back, it like literally like lifts off the water. Mm-hmm. But then yeah, so Kong sees that this water serpent thing is about to attack them, and like of course he likes the girl because the girl's on the ship, so he takes a rock and throws it, and just like one hundred percent marksman just knocks the sea serpent on the head. It was incredible. What was funny about it is that there was no build up to it at all. It was just like. By the time you ask the question, is that a water snake? It just cut to Kong picking up a rock and throwing it at it. <laughs> and I was and like, just, That's again, again, the funniest thing is just it bops the water snake, the sea serpent, right on the head. Right, like, directly. right. Like, it's uh, perfect. And I thought that was kind of badass, too. Just that, like, that tussle with, like... And it, and it kind of reminded me of, I mean, obviously, the, the actual fight with the octopus that was recreated in Kong Skull Island was actually from... Um, uh, King Kong versus Godzilla, but I yes. d- that's where I got most of that vibe is just that kind of like wrestling with the snake, um, which is a scene that's created in the uh, seventy six uh, uh, King Kong remake is uh, is is the fighting of a snake. But um, I got all those uh, Skull Island vibes uh, from yeah. that, so I thought that was funny. It, it, there, there's also a bit where they come back our heroes and everybody, you know, they're kind of informing that like, Oh, you know, that Kong is on the scene and everything. And th- and this kind of goes back to that American feel of it, where there's a bit in the movie where slyly and humorously, they were like, well, why, you know, did Kong let you guys go or something like that? And it's like, well, you know, it, it may sound unorthodox and strange, but uh, Kong is a male creature, uh, and I know he's like he's taken a liking a liking to our lieutenant here. And Kong is a male creature, and our lieutenant, well, you can extrapolate from that, or he, he says something like that. Yeah, but it was just well, such like an, well, you can see for yourself, like, right, right. But it, it was such like an American way of wordplay, or of like how to deliver a line like that. Like see, I, my, I, just, yeah. I, I just don't remember that type of dialogue interaction from a show of film in in, in, in uh, Japanese. My favorite line from that scene. So basically, yeah, so they go back to the UN. They like, they're like, abandon our mission. We're going back to the UN and putting in this report. And so there's a bunch of reporters there, and someone asked, are you going to capture Kong? And then our main lieutenant, our, our main character is like, no, we're going to go and study him. There wouldn't be much point of bringing him back to New York, which I thought was a really funny reference to 33. 
um, mm -hmm. yeah, of, of basically being like, there's no point of like bringing him back to the city, right? Like, <laughs> well, I mean, but it worked, and and that's where I thought, like, you know, oh, this, no, I thought, no, I thought it was genuinely movie, like, kind of a cute moment. This movie, I mean, just going back to like the fact that the villains they're using Mechanic Kong, but then they need the real Kong, and they make you spend time it, it reminded me very much of kind of like an animated disney movie plot where it's like you know sometimes you kind of get in trouble if you reveal what the villains are doing too much but this was like that tasteful amount where you know where they're coming from and it works mm -hmm. and then so you know that so that was a nice little plot element like little things like okay so now the fact that kong is coming off of the island is more of a villain thing um that that all definitely works Right, because the, um, yeah. the, the whole thing again is um, our the Madame Piranha. Uh, she like sneaks in as a reporter, and she's the one who asks the question, like, "Why did he let you go to the to the uh, mm -hmm. our doctor?" And then she, they go back, and again, Doctor Who's kind of pivoted. It's like, well, if I can't use Mechanic Kong, I must get the real King Kong because he's all, he's the only thing strong enough to get into those mines. And and she's like, like again, he's just like so confident, like. Don't worry about it. I'll control him. Like he's like he's basically like, come on, like I can control the guy. Like I'm the mad scientist here. So they they take him to the island. They basically like napalm or they they eat they like drop like ether bombs mm -hmm. on him. Then shoot the one dude living there, the native, yeah. just point blank. Uh, and then good. again, like I love the whole thing where we're like <laughs> like Doctor Who like is like, are you sure nobody will know that we were there? And he's like, don't worry, I've gotten rid of all the evidence. And then as soon as like our other crew get there. Like, they're, like, they immediately know, okay, Kong's, like, been shot at because there's, like, gunpowder here. Mm -hmm. This is ether. Get this to the lab. And then they find the dude shot, and then he basically is, like, uh, you know, the, the dude's still alive somehow, thankfully. And he tells him in this language. And then, basically, it's, like, it's like looks like my old friend, Doctor Who. Yeah, they, they, they deduce it almost that. immediately, which I think is really funny. But again, it's just, I find that so funny about Doctor Who is that he just seems so, in, he's so confident in himself, but he's just so slightly incompetent at like being oh, yeah. the genius mad scientist. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, so yeah, so I mean, so there, there's some more villain shenanigans. They are able to temporarily uh, control Kong, the villains, but it doesn't completely go well. Yeah, they have like a hypnotism yeah. thing and they do like a radio thing and they start controlling Kong, but then it's just like, again... Did you like drunk, uh, inebriated, like kind of doesn't, like flailing Kong? Because at, at first, like he actually is digging, but eventually like it's not working. So Kong's just like doing, like waving his arms like at nothing. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense like, with like... Kong, snap out of it! Kong's like, Ugh. The, <laughs> it does. It does make sense with the really strange, like cloudy eyes that he has throughout mm -hmm. this entire movie. Movie. I just like, thought the I also thought there was like a, not only a humor in that but there was also a humor in like they actually show the moment where Kong wakes up like when he's imprisoned and there's kind of like this look of like what's going on and then like he sees Mechanic Kong and then it kind of they uh overlap like an actual Kong and then he's kind of like what <laughs> like, what is that like so there and then that was and I and I think that's where some of that Honda magic comes in where he's really yeah. like making sure we understand like where the monsters are coming from too I did um, feel like again. I did feel like Kong's eyes could have used a little windshield wiping. Like it needed, like like the windshield yeah, fluid. I, it just looked a little dirty. I am not thrilled with the way that Kong looks personally. It's not, it's not my I favorite. Think, I think Kong. It's one of those things like Kong from a distance. Like when wide shots, I think Kong like yes. looks like good. I agree. But I think like once you get close up, I think it's just one of those things where. There's just a little too much detail on the face for this era. 
of like just there's like the wrinkles on the face and just how the mouth moves. There's just a little too much with the cloudy eyes and the weird teeth. Like it's just a little bit not great once you get close up. Yeah, I mean, I, for me, it was more like when his first appearance and he shows up, I was kind of like, ooh, and I, that shouldn't be the case when a monster yeah, shows no, up. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I felt the same like, way. Like, when, when, when Gorosaurus showed up, I was like, awesome. When Kong showed up, I'm like, ooh, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, but, it's, not, it's not the best Kong look, though, yeah. that's for sure. But but the but the super performance is great, though. I thought, yes, like, yes. The, I the, think on both, yeah, both of, all, all of our creatures, I think, were yeah. great in this movie. Um, um, so basically, the whole thing is our heroes get redirected by the villains to appear in in who's based in the north pole mm-hmm. uh and are captured mm-hmm. and then you know we get some of the bond you know shenanigans and like who and and, and well, our main character well, and the and the big plan at this point is that the hypnot the hypnotism is not going to work so doctor who's like oh but he'll listen to the female he'll listen to right. like the the lieutenant yeah. so it's like let's let's get her so then it, it kind of like admittedly becomes an extended period of the movie where the villains try to get the bad guys on their on the same page well i think there's a lot of stuff going on right now because you have the good guys who are like you know we're not going to give up anything you have doctor who who is again continually digging himself into a hole by failing and like is trying desperately to find a way to succeed because again he's so self-confident and then you also have like the slow beginnings of madame piranha starting to doubt her relationship with who from a business standpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause there is this kind of part of the story of the second half of this movie is that, you know, Madame uh, Piranha continually um, finds herself doubting Dr. Who's methods and slowly realizing that lots of people were going to die. As she puts it, our country cannot afford an international incident um, which I also found was was funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so like you know she's inviting um, you know the our, our American into the room with her and like being all sexy and like kind of Bond girlish with him, and then of course like he responds like, it's just like one of those things where it's like you're not Japanese, what are you Chinese, Vietnamese, Siberian? Like this like, goes all through it, and like a, the, the movie never tells you like what mysterious country she's from, right? Um, and yeah. oh, it was this you know. Uh, just like again the bondish lines where like he's like to her like they're having like she offers him drinks and they're they're playing like kind of jazzy music and he's like oh he Dude. literally she might as well say step into my bond movie like right. because or, it was like or, and he's like because he's like he just has this line it's like i don't mean to be cliche but like what's a good girl like you doing in a place like this and i was just like Yes. No, and then yeah, she it, responds. It, they, they here's wrote another a Bond movie. Resp- they wrote yeah, a Bond like, movie. Like it's like another point. cliche to respond. Never judge a book by its cover. I was just like, oh, like that's yeah. that's that's great a Bond dialogue right there. It was fun. The only thing about it was that like it, the music choice was all. It was just such a pivot into a different tone that it was a little jarring. Like that that was my only thing. Like it was like you clearly could not have just stepped into a Bond movie any more obvious. Right, uh, than it yeah. was so like so, she tries to like get him on 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 this on his side and that doesn't work and then eventually doctor who tries to convince him um over a game of chess and also by freezing his friends to death essentially Can, this le- like, this led to a line that i had to joke about which i thought was funny and th- this may be the dub but they come in and then they're like what happened to uh nelson what, like what, what happened to lieutenant nelson and then Doctor Who's like, don't worry about Nelson. He's been canceled. 
And then, yes. and then I was like, "What?" <laughs> like, I, and then all I could think they, about, like, because earlier on in the tweets, yeah, because earlier on in the movie, I was like, he was like, it's like, it's like, you know, do what's best, or else you know what we can do. So I was thinking, it's like, yes, we dug up some old tweets where. <laughs> That's right. exactly. I was like, the cancel thing was so funny. <laughs> like, just from a modern context of where we are in 2020, right. like the whole thing about being canceled. He's, I was been, just... he's been canceled, and I was like, oh no. <laughs> so that that made me laugh. And, also, that they're uh, yeah. gonna disfigure her by like, because also he's like, yeah, it was maybe crazy. A, well, it's like, we're going to disfigure you by putting you up against the cold concrete. Yeah, it's like, let's crazy. see what the cold does to your beautiful skin. Which is weird, because they need her. <laughs> they need her most. Yeah, so it's like, why not get... It was getting is, real for a while yeah. there. Like, I, yeah. I was pretty impressed. Like, I was but like, oh then, my god. But then that, again, turns out to be Doctor Who's undoing. Because as soon as he starts threatening her, Kong goes crazy. Like, it starts ripping up his cell. Mm. At which point, it's like, watch out, King Kong escapes. <laughs> Excellent. Someone says King Kong's escaping, but right. like... It should have been, been like, like King oh Kong my, escapes. Yeah, it should have been that. King Kong escapes. Um, but yeah, so then he he gets out, and then now he's on the loose. And then basically, there's a moment where uh, Nelson goes to the military and basically says, like, listen, don't attack, don't escalate this. We have a way to control him with uh, our lieutenant. Um, and again, I know I go back to this point, but there's just these little moments that I, I just don't think we've seen in other movies where he comes in and then the guy's like, who are you supposed to be? He's like, well, it seems I'm underdressed. <laughs> like, or, 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 or he's like, I am out of uniform <laughs> is what I am. And it's like, that's like a, it's a very American joke. It, it really, yeah. it, and, and maybe it's because it's him saying it like the very like lead American actor is, is saying it like, so it's like, so that was. That so you know so they go and they they try to control him. So or, well, or, or I, I'm going to talk about this real quick because mm-hmm. I just want to talk about this moment really badly. So the whole kind of thing now is like you know they kind of remain captured on Doctor Who's thing. The whole plan is like King Kong has escaped and is is you know goes from the North Pole to Tokyo, um, and so the plan is is like they're going to send Mechanic Kong after him, you know, because Mechanic Kong has like the hypnotism thing, and so they're going to you know they're going to get him back. And again, our, our our ambassador, who's been working with Doctor Who in her country, has been funding Mechanic Kong, is basically like, if you unleash those two on Tokyo, you know, thousands of people are going to die. So she lets, you know, our three main characters go and sends them off to Japan. And eventually what happens is she confronts Doctor Who with a gun. And she's basically like, I can't allow you oh, to I do Oh, I forgot. This. Yeah, like, I forgot about all this. Yeah. That's so just, she's this like, I can't, I can't allow you to do this. And so he basically, like, it seems like, okay, like, you know, he's like, put my hands up. He rotates around like he's, like, trying to, like, maneuver. And then he just, like, moves a dial. And she's like, what did that do? And he's like, nothing. nothing. <laughs> and then, so, but, like, it's, like, one of those things where, like, just the thought of, like, what could it have done just distracts you enough where he, like, tries to grab the gun. I thought this was incredible. He literally, like, bluffed doing something. To, You're like, right, because that never, that never pays off. No, Does like it? he legitimately didn't do anything with that knob. <laughs> like the whole thing was like he was just trying to sew doubt into her head. But but and it this worked. goes into that they do give these characters some sort of unique screen time with these little character moments that make you like them. Like that's why it works. 
Like, yes. like the, 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 these guys are going through their own. Like, it, it's funny because these are not the bad guys. They kind of have their own little subplot going on. And I think yeah. that's that's a big te- that's a big strength in the film. But I thought I, I thought I, I have that was something I never knew I wanted to see in a movie was like the villain just completely bluffing that he did something like that. Co- Again, it's the confidence of Doctor Who that even when he's in a jam and he's screwed up so many times, he knows he's going to get out of it up until the very end, which I'll talk about in a moment. Um, so, yeah, so they go off. Uh, Kong like confronts mechanic Kong confronts Kong in the city because the whole thing where they like they shine lights and they're shooting him and they're like no 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 do do that we, we're gonna get him off we have like the lieutenant here but then mechanic Kong shows up and he has the um the hypnotism the hypnotism, the hypnotism thing, yeah. thing on his head and he shines lights into Kong's eyes and then of course our American is a perfect shot and like shoots the thing right off just the hypnotism thing right off of Mechanic Kong's head, which was fun. It's interesting that unlike a Mecha Godzilla, who's usually the crutch in a movie like this, and is usually like the centerpiece, Mechanic Kong is a presence in the movie, but is only used when necessary, when the plot think, really yeah, calls for it. And I thought for this that, movie was for the best, for sure. Oh no, I thought like it, I think it, it's a testament that when you use the character. Because they they treat it as like a tool, and when they when you use you use the tool when you need it, then it works even better. As opposed to just like it always being like the fact that the movie didn't revolve around Mechanic Kong, it was almost like this this very elaborate plant and payoff. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like it's a, it's it's kind of like a very and because like there was actually a reason for it to exist. I, again, I'm kind of just talking myself into more and more about like that this movie actually is very well like put together. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would agree. But yeah, uh, so anyway, so yeah, so then they fight, uh, Mechanic Kong and Kong fight. Which I thought the beginning of the fight was great because they had another one of those moments where like as soon as Mechanic Kong like found himself at a disadvantage, you know, like he doesn't have his hypnotism thing and, and, and things are going wrong for Mechanic Kong, legitimately like Mechanic Kong just like rushes up and just punches Kong in like the neck, like just right. like a really quick like punch. I thought that was also really Yeah, that was cool. That, that was like classic Showa era mm-hmm. fighting, for example. But then like, they go to, they kind of fight a little bit, and they kind of climb like this radio tower, and Kong has our, our lieutenant doctor in his hands, and he sets her down. And I thought this was fine. I thought this was good. Like, it wasn't like incredible. Kind of, it's like a, a climbing fight. I liked um, it because it was different than pretty much any yeah, kaiju fight. Yeah, I think that's what seen. makes it work. Like yeah. it's not like my preferred, like it's not my most preferred. I kind of like the more drag them out brawls that we see in like Megalong and mm-hmm. and Mechagodzilla or like in Ghidorah. Um Yeah, I liked it. I I, I dug but, it. But but I thought that its difference kind of made it stand out a little bit. So, mm-hmm. I thought it was good. Meanwhile, yeah, yeah. so then we're uh, back so they're fighting back on Doctor Who's ship. It, it turned out in that previous scene when when Doctor Who had pretended to do something with the knob that he does get the gun and like shoots her in the arm, uh, and, and shoots her yeah, in the wait, arm. Yeah, he did so, that. I thought he killed her then, and then I was yes. kind of like, whoa, <laughs> right? And then he shoots her in the arm. So I was like, because I was kind of like, oh man, like I really think you know, again, not being a proponent of like you need to die in the movie, but I thought like actually her sacrificing herself would be like a really great, you know, her getting killed would be a kind of a great arc for her little her character. And so what ends up happening is, like, he's controlling Kong, and, you know, he's going to go all in. It's like, we need Kong. We need Mechanic Kong. So she basically goes to unplug, like, all the stuff that's, like, helping him control Kong and everything like that. Uh, and so then he just shoots her point blank, and she dies, but having basically saved the day, because that basically proves to be Mechanic Kong's undoing at the end. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really good moment. Yeah. Like, her, like, basically, like, sacrificing herself and getting shot and, like, going from someone who 
was like, you know, being the benefactor, the, the um, liaison between this mysterious country and this evil scientist and like was going to, you know, have out, help her country have ambitions of being like the one world power to her sacrificing herself to save a few thousand people. I thought it was like a really actually like nice human moment. And the movie earns it by kind of seeing where she's coming from, that this is more of a mysterious business transaction and she's not uh, morally disaligned from, in, in the same way that Doctor yeah. Who is like, the, you know, he, he's definitely more of the supervillain who wants who is about power. And, and it, it's the it, it's the tried and true trope of you have two villains and one's way more morally aligned than the other. And that's where it goes. Yeah. Um, but and yeah, then, no, you're right. And I thought that they kind of uh, delivered all that, that entire plot line very well. I guess the one thing about it though, is like, it doesn't allow, like Kong doesn't really have a final like blow against mechanic Kong. Mechanic Kong just kind of falls mm-hmm. like off. Like it's not really a big moment. Once mechanic Kong is defeated, he just kind of falls from the tower, which I thought was like, if you're going to have Kong versus mechanic Kong, I feel like you should like, even if he's like kind of down, yeah. like, just give Kong, give Kong the big punch. Yeah, maybe. It's funny because I I kind of, when you say that, I agree, but also at the same time, it's one of those little subtle differences that makes, like, this kind of Kong movie different from, like, let's say a Godzilla movie. I don't know. I just felt like it's just, like, it could have used one more. Because it it really, to me, it's, it's more about, it's less about Kong always getting, like, the final blow on the hero. And you know what? And I get, I, I think this is what I'm getting at. The reason I also don't mind is because he gets the bad guys at the end of the day on the ship, and I yes. actually thought that was very satisfying. Yes. I thought well, just I technically that... that was really cool, and yeah. Doctor Who gets it bad. <laughs> like, he has a really what? morbid death. What I love about this, though, is so, yeah, so they, they kind of cut down because that's at night, and then they kind of cut to the next day. And what I love about this sequence is at the beginning of it, like Doctor Who's like, we got to get out of here. And then one of these other guys like, well, I thought we were waiting for Kong. And finally, Doctor Who's like, you idiot. Like, we're done here. Like, there's nothing <laughs> we can do. We got to go. Like, I just love that. Like, finally, he, like, realizes how much. Because every other moment up to that point, he's like, even when he fucks up, he's like, he's so confident that, like, the next thing he's going to do. He, yeah, he was at his fix in there. Yeah. Or it's yeah. like, now it's like, he's literally like, you, you idiot. Like, we're not waiting for Kong. Kong's gone. He's out of our hands. We got to get out of here. Yeah, that and then, was good. And then they see like, well, Kong's on the dock. He's like, Kong's on the dock. We got, we got to turn around. Like, not even like a last ditch attempt to get Kong. He's like, we got to go. I did find there was a cool shot where it's like, you know, you see Kong running, but then there is a close-up of like his feet with the car that the other. I thought that was very good. I thought that was like one of like because rarely do you do you see like such a seamless. Uh, sense of scale type set, of thing yeah with, with these films and i and i actually thought that stood out as one of the better but yeah yeah okay, but but kong swims after the boat and yeah just starts decimating it i thought that was awesome like yeah it, again it's just you, technically it was just it just you worked. could describe whose death if you want to. oh whose death was like so he gets crushed by a bunch of machinery in the boat and he's like bleeding from his mouth while all the water is like like coming into the boat as the boat is submerging i just thought it was like oh my god and they stay on it for a little while they do they do oh man he really he really got it and And then we get to the end line of the movie where our our female doctor is like you know she's kind of you know she's grown from being scared of kong to to loving kong like she she views kong as a great friend and so she yells after him like kong king kong like they actually call him king kong which is you know always fun yeah um, and then he's like, she's like, aren't we going to go after him? He's like, no, 
Kong's going home. I feel like he's had enough of this civilization stuff. Like something. Like he something wasn't even effect. supposed to be here today. <laughs> he, I mean, he, it's, I mean, it's it's great that we didn't. You know, it's like he's had enough of these nuclear weapons. What are you talking about? There were no nuclear weapons. I, I have to say, it is the most Toho ending. Like it's the it, most it very Toho much where is. it's just like the 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 plot is over. And then it's like, well, he's gone. And then while the image of him swimming away, and it's like, the end. Like, that's how all it's, these Toho movies end. It's so, yeah, it's so like a Bira. It's yeah, so yeah. like all these, yeah, like yeah. Uh, all that sort of stuff, yeah. So ultimately, like I, I, like, I I enjoyed it at the beginning and talking about it more. I, I just think it's it, – it, 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 it was kind of a surprise, I'll be honest. I, I did not I, – I thought, like, I may enjoy it, but I did not think it was going to be as solid as it was. I mean, as I said, I, I don't think I'm ever surprised when I enjoy a Showa-era movie, especially from this, like, the, the pre-All Monsters Attack era. Because, mm. like, All Monsters Attack and then Gigan right after that is, like, a – it's a bad one-two punch. But, like, everything from, like, King – yeah, like I said, everything from King Kong all the way to uh, Destroy All Monsters, I think – all those films have some sort of enjoyment to them. Even like the bad ones have some of the more ridiculous elements in them, which I appreciate. Well, well I think maybe the thing I'm, I, I, I should say, and again, I've said it many times, is I, I think the whole nature of the film about it feeling like a different type of American-Japanese co-production is the thing that, that, that uh, surprised me a little bit more. I, I think some of these subtle differences in the way that the movie felt uh, were, was, a, was a little surprising to me and it actually made it one especially when you think of the pantheon of films like this that it made it one of like a must watch for at least for me in terms of just like just it just consider all the other Showa era films that you see and then just see how this feels in comparison to all those other films so you and and you'll get a good movie on top of it too so uh yeah I I think this is uh I I would Consider this at least from a for like if I could say like filmically or academically like a must watch. But if you just want like a really solid monster kaiju film that that delivers uh, in a very unique way, I, I would highly suggest. Yes, but we do have one more question. Will uh oh, what could who it possibly be? <laughs> I think he is a member of the UN mm-hmm. who is pissed that they like they stopped their original mission and like doesn't really buy into any of this Kong crap. It's like, why are we going after this giant monkey when we could be finding items in the Pacific? I don't know. I don't know what their original mission was. I, I, I like that. I also feel like was there like a captain of the submarine? I feel like they're I thought I thought that was um Oh yeah the main character yeah the main, the main character is like yeah. the main guy of the submarine. I'm trying to think of el- elsewhere in, in, in the movie. Um. No. All right. I'll go with yours. I'll. I'll. I'll, I'll go with that one. I'll or he could have been Doctor Who's mentor that like Doctor Who betrayed to like become evil. I think he could have been that too. Like they were like. Well, wasn't was good... there? Wasn't there like some sort of reference to like that he was not like the mastermind or that there was somebody above him? Maybe I'm misremembering, but no, because I think the only thing he mentioned is that like he used to work with the main guy. Mm. And that's where he got all the Kong drawings. And he's like, because that was the other thing when they're looking at like the drawing of Kong, which is basically Kong concept art. And then he's looking at it's like, you see, I based on these original drawings, I made a robot version of it, like just based off. Okay, all right. This is this is what he this is there. Okay, I have two possible things that he could have been uh, in this movie. One is that maybe not in this movie, but like maybe if they did a sequel to this movie. 
um, that you find out that he actually did hire Doctor Who to do mm-hmm. that, and that he's the mastermind. And then he says it was me, Kong. Like it, it was. <laughs> he pulls a he pulls a Blofeld and says it, it was me, Kong. Um, the other way is because since Mechanic Kong is a robot, he could have been the voice of Mechanic Kong, <laughs> which would have been fun. Superman. <laughs> Um. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So I suggest it. It was good. I was. It's again. It's not easy to find, but if you can find it, it's a good time. Yeah. It's actually also not that expensive. It's like ten dollars for a Blu-ray. Um. Which I was a little bit uh surprised. Oh, is it? Yeah. It's 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 really not. It's it's very easy to buy. Oh, on okay. Uh, if you want to find it for free, yeah. Or if you want to rent find. it, I, I think it was like if you want to digitally rent it, it. That that's more of a difficult thing. But if you want to get a copy of it, it's actually not. Yeah. If you want to, yeah. Get. If you were just like, it's not like on like Amazon, but if you want to buy it, I guess it's out there. Um. So yeah. So the only thing post kind of release is that you know this was one of those movies that I think put at least in the fandom, uh, King, uh Toho's King Kong on the map a little bit more, but unfortunately it was just a case of uh, rights got away from Toho and they were unable to really use Kong. And the um, uh, the backup that a lot of people liked, uh, Mechanic Kong, as you said, was a big kind of uh, new character that, uh, that people liked, everybody liked the design, at least fans did. Um, so that was something that you, that you see a lot of people kind of refer to of, about liking about this movie. Um, originally, yes, they did want Kong in Destroy All Monsters. Uh, he was in an earlier draft, but, um, he was unable to, um, make it in for rights reasons. Um, so Gorosaurus ended up in there. And then basically throughout the, throughout the ages, they've been trying to get King Kong into a Godzilla movie. And this went all the way into the nineties and the Heisei era where, uh, they wanted to bring back King Kong versus Godzilla, but weren't able to for rights reasons, and so they were going to bring back Mechanicong, but there were more rights issues with that it was just too much of a likeness of Kong, and it just wouldn't have it, it just wasn't going to fly. Um, so it, it didn't it didn't really and go then, anywhere. And then in his place was Rodan, I think. Right, that was like Mechagodzilla. I, I believe so. I think Mecha so. Godzilla 2. Yeah. Which, again, is funny considering that we've talked about that before, but, like, imagine if it was Kong and then Rodan did get the shaft for, like, you know, got that Angira shaft. It would have been very interesting all through the history if they mm-hmm. did get to do more Kong stuff. But that's just the story of Kong. Yeah. In, in the Toho world, it's just, like, they if they... Honestly, if, I, if they could, there probably would have been just as many Kong films as there are, like, not maybe as just as many Kong films as Godzilla films, but they definitely would have kind of continually played with Kong as a character had they been able to. Well, there was, there was even talks of doing a more direct sequel to uh, King Kong versus Godzilla. So that, right, that was it, on the plate. It just didn't... It, it just, it just didn't, didn't have. That's yeah. right. That's right. I remember mm-hmm. that. So, yeah. So so that's it. Happy Kong's giving, everybody. I hope you, yes, I so. hope you enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, eventually we'll talk about... And, and, you know, and that's why I mentioned it earlier. It's so funny because thinking about a Toho Kong and that eventually it is going to come full circle with, uh, you know, Godzilla versus Kong or, uh, yeah. Um, so it's just funny that like eventually, uh, it, it, um, culturally it still is coming full circle and it's still out in the ether. And then like, we, I think we even said that maybe even legendary is looking at that. Maybe even the marquee value of King Kong fighting Godzilla may prove to be a little bit more enticing for a lot of people. 
because like even like the the thing about King Kong versus Godzilla, it's even because of its American release. But I think because the names are so iconic, it does remain one of those things that even filmmakers and actors and people in the industry kind of like have like at least like a like a silly nostalgic memory of it being a thing. Um, yes. And, um, you know, it's like the, the you know, it's it's two kings who uh, have deserved uh, their crown, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. So is that it? That's it. Cool, cool. And once once again, folks, just stay tuned for our further December plans and further plans for the podcast. We will be letting you know all about those real soon. Yeah, I, I'm thinking this is this is going to be released. This episode is released the day right before uh, Thanksgiving. So happy Kongsgiving and Thanksgiving, everybody. Um, be safe and uh, enjoy whatever you're doing. And um, the uh, and then the following week after this next week. Um, will be uh, the final week of uh, this month of November. You guys will be getting an update on what's going to be happening with us. Yes. Cool. Otherwise, we'll pluck away. Um, yes. We're done. I'm done. done. You're done. Oh, I was going to say it. No, but, yeah. that's mine. Uh, Bonzofthepod at gmail.com. Still can email us, I guess. I don't think we've ever gotten an email uh, to this day. But, you know, if you want to email us, uh, you can. <laughs> Why not? Uh, Twitter.com slash Bonsilla007, Facebook.com slash Bonsilla007, like and subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud. Uh, thank you guys for making that Spy Kids episode very successful. I appreciate it. All right. Well, n- until then, bye. Kong on, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>